Listen up, everybody. It's Christmas time. Time for me to recite a brand new rhyme about one of the best times of the year. Everybody get busy, because Christmas is here. A celebration of the time when Jesus was born. December 25, he's a Capricorn, just like my DJ, Derek B, who's the best, taking out all rookies to fail the test. That's right, he's got all sorts of babies up his sleeve. You better watch out, boy, and better not believe, because he's going to give you a taste of his natural skill. His Christmas baby is going to kill him. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 151 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the Canadian Krampus, slaying podcasts with my maple syrup sword, a.k.a. Moods. Yeah. And of course, I always got my two elves by my side. First up, we have the Mexican who does not support La Misa del Gallo because he has no idea what that is. Double Shot J, a.k.a. JP. And last up, we have the Jewish elf who gets fucked up from a single shot and goes silent for the remainder of the Christmas livestream. NES Craft Pickle Loving Bastard 22, a.k.a. Jeremy. What's going on, guys? That's all right. You would you be correct. I, I have I have no idea what that was. What was that, by the way? <laughs> it's a Mexican tradition that is performed on Christmas Eve slash Christmas Day. It's just where they. It's kind of like a big fireworks show that they do. It's known as Mass of the Rooster. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. This is our Christmas special. What yeah. Number is it? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I didn't even want to attempt to think about that, but I have no idea. This, I think Actually, this is the sixth show. Know. Is this the sixth Christmas show we've done? Well, it, Man, it what is a great... the sixth Christmas show. Yes, but we have, but it's like the eight, like eighth viewers' choice or listeners' choice. Yes, we might as well stress that this is actually a fully <laughs> Patreon uh, supported show. Um, yeah, so we are going to be doing. Actually, it's about time that uh, some of these films got picked. Um, to all a good night, 1980. Don't open till Christmas, 84. And Saint or Sint or Saint Nick or how many fucking different titles that movie has? Dick Moss on Christmas. Exactly, exactly. But uh, and we have a father rape film. <laughs> yeah, we do. And yeah, we have a bonus review of a short, which we'll get to later. Which oh my god, <laughs> still. Uh, I can't. I've never heard of this Christmas film to watch. I, I just can't even believe that I'd never heard of this short before. But uh, we'll yeah, this that, is though. Listener's Choice Volume Eight. Yeah, Volume Eight. Sweet. My question before we start is: How come Jeremy? I know, like Jeremy gives us shit for everything, mm-hmm. but he's never given us shit for making him do Christmas shows every year. Why is that? I think because he's a fake Jew. For everything. I watch everything and everything. Don't tell me I complain about the movies. I haven't complained about the movies. Since I'm I've not saying back. you complain about the movies. I'm talking about in general. Well, why would I give you shit about it? Because you're well, a Jew. What are we going to do? Do a fucking, a fucking Hanukkah episode? There's like two movies. <laughs> it is true. I mean, what are we supposed Hanukkah to do? And Christmas is the most popular holiday. So what else are we going to do? Most people celebrate Christmas. I'm not fucking anti-Semite. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Like, I give a crap. <laughs> so we did do that Joe Bob marathon the other night. Yep. 
Yes, we uh, did, man. Mikey Berryman passed the fuck out, huh, Moods? Oh, dude, it was so fucking... Dude, man, he was snoring so loud on there that I, like, couldn't even hear the movie. Oh, dude, he was stoned out of his mind when he came on. It was crazy. I had it all... T- I had it turned right up, and all I could hear was just this blaring snoring in my, in my ears. It was like, fuck. I don't know, man. He woke up towards the end of the eight hours, and I was like, hey, man, I mean, this is going to be it for it anyways. I'm not going to start up another live stream because there was only about 10 minutes left in the in the last movie so i was like this is kind of good what timing. did he say did you tell him you were he was sleeping yeah he well he woke up with about a few minutes left and then he was kind of like all groggy talking some craziness and shit because he was all fucked up <laughs> and i was like <laughs> what well did you say did you like hey you were sleeping yeah i was like dude you were snoring like a motherfucker he's like what <laughs> did he apologize it was, yeah i think he did man he was he was right yeah, out of it me- though because he, he was out me earlier today and was like yeah yeah my bad for willising on the <laughs> on the live stream but well, I don't know. The, <laughs> I'm the too irony, old. He's like, no excuses. I'm too old for this shit. The irony was, is that, uh, I actually just talked to him and he said, he's like, man, I should have pieced out when JP pieced out. Cause he was like, I was pretty done, but he's like, I didn't really want to leave you on the live stream by yourself. And I was like, well, the irony is dude, as you kind of did when you started snoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, he's, he's funny. Cause I don't know if you know the history, but like their last episode or the one right before that, they were recording a podcast and Willis Wheeler fell asleep and was snoring oh, yeah. Carly on the show. Man, so that... the, and he was giving Willis shit for it. So <laughs> literally two weeks later, karma. Yep. <laughs> That's incredible to fall asleep during a show, man. Yeah. That's actually pretty good. But yeah, I want to uh, give a big shout out. Derek likes to do it. So, well, yeah, yeah, it's, it happens. I want to give a big but... shout out to my man, Dylan, AKA God Dylan for coming on the live stream. Uh, um, you mean CM Crunk or whatever the fuck his name is? CM yeah, Crunk. <laughs> Chris Marquette. I'll never like Tony when Mike Romo. mentioned that. Uh, Tony Romo. We're like, who the fuck is Chris Marquette? We're like on our phones, fucking googling it. I'm like, holy shit, that guy does look. Dylan looks just like him. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking funny. Oh man. But yeah, good times, good times, man. I, yeah, I got to say, you guys were laughing all the fucking time. Literally half the fucking time I was on, all you guys were doing was fucking laughing. Well, that's because they were having fun. Because that's oh, what it's called. Because Mike, yeah, I think he was doing it purposely too, though, man. Every time Joe Bob would come on, he would just start writing funny ass shit, and we couldn't help but laugh. But what do you do, man? I know he had it planned <laughs> for sure, but I have to say, I was a little bit shocked about the Phantasm franchise for Christmas. <laughs> It was a little bit yeah. weird. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I have no it. problem with that at all. But I called it the day that, like, after the November live stream. Yeah. I was like, I bet it's Phantasm, and Jeremy said no. That he, yeah. it was going to be Christmas. Well, I thought it would be Christmas, like most people. You yeah. you even thought that, even though he said it's going to be four films from the same franchise. I mean, did well, you? Well, we thought Silent Night. Yeah. Well, originally that was what my thoughts were because it was you know, it almost seemed too obvious because it was Christmas you know, related. But I, I mean, if you had a thought phantasm, you probably would have figured out that they couldn't get the rights to part two. Cause it's five and different. I don't know. I just I thought, thought they were just going to do like one through four since it was like the original franchise. Oh, that makes sense. It made sense how they did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's because funny. they fucking blew up a Hemi and that pissed George, Mr. Joe Bob off. <laughs> oh, dude, that was one of my favorite parts of it. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was pretty funny. See, like most of the live streams we do, I have to go back and rewatch those because I miss so much stuff from talking and shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it is fun to go back and, and rewatch them. Like, dude, I, that- I've, I've rewatched the whole um, Dinners of Death one and some of the uh, 
original one. Well, it's coming back weekly, so. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Man, that chat was just like rapid pace, man. It's so hard to keep yeah, up was, with it. It was fun. Man, there was yeah. a lot of interaction on that one. It was crazy. I think I, I think I had more fun on this one than I have on the other three or the other two. Yeah, this one was fun, man. I had I had a blast yeah. with it. it really I good. think it was also Dylan being there kind of yeah. amped it up a little bit because usually it's just me and you talking. Mm-hmm. But then since Dylan was there, there was three of us talking. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, man. Yeah, that was that was the fuck. fuck that Listen, was a fuck that Ben because like, you start off great, but then you just sit there for two hours for what reason? Say something. I had nothing to say. Well, he At li- this, I had one guy ask me if I like saw two about forty-seven times. Oh, he continued asking after you left. It, it never stopped all night. It was no, like saw one or I'm not alien, alien one. one. <laughs> why did you get Why? He's just asking questions. It dude. didn't bother no. me. It, it became. It just became a joke between everybody. It was kind of yeah. funny. But it's yeah, like, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not mean to be a bother. I'm just wondering. It's like after the eighteenth time. But Jeremy, yeah, you gotta, but you gotta what, admit man. though, he could, he could be like a younger dude, like twelve or something like that. You know, you never know. <laughs> I mean to him, you know. We do have a lot of young viewers or listeners, so yeah, it, it, that could have been the case. But, but Jeremy, yeah. you gotta admit though, after you did that well, shot, he man, he could have just been, you know, not, you know, as mentally capable as some. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, know? we know we have some of those too. Uh, but Jeremy, you have to admit though. That after you had that shot, man, things got a little bit, uh, little bit foggy for you. <laughs> you looked a little I bit. Were you buzzed? I think he was shit faced. Were you buzzed? Not buzzed. Okay, so you say you can't drink beer because it, it, it hits you too hard, but you, you drank a whole beer of like eight percent alcohol or some shit, and then you drink a shot and you're fine. So what's the excuse? I mean, I was feeling it, but I don't think I was buzzed. Well, I'm just saying. I just don't like to drink, and it's annoying that all these fucking assholes. You've really never up. done it, but I don't want to. I don't understand <laughs> why Mr. Watson's ever smoked anything. Why don't you guys go make fun of him? Because no, I told is- I told Mr. Watson that was a little bit strange. Not even to try it once is is just weird to me, especially where I'm from. But yeah, I, I just don't know I just anybody. Don't care. I just don't know anybody who's never tried at least one. I know the biggest dorks in the world that that smoke. We, it's weird, man. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I just don't know why it bothers people so much. It doesn't bother anybody. I don't think they it just bothers. want to see you having fun. It is, dude. People were fucking ratting on me the entire time. Ratting? They were. They were being. On you? I was being a fucking punching bag the entire time. Because you're sitting there quiet. No, before I was even quiet. Like what? Like what? Mikey Merriman's a dickhead. Mike Merriman was giving all of us shit. I was getting shit for my beard. Dylan was getting shit for looking like a bunch of people. Fucking dude, what do you mean? Moods was getting shit for fake drinking. (laughs) For fake drinking, not being as hot as Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, we like you, Moods, but Dylan's better. Just because someone calls you Ellen DeGeneres doesn't mean you got to go into hiding. Jeremy DeGenerate. (laughs) 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 So funny. You gotta learn to laugh at yourself, homie. Seriously, <laughs> like that's one serious. thing that I learned in life a long time ago is is you have to be able to laugh at yourself. If you can't laugh at yourself, then you're never gonna feel good when people. I think are that's laughing. why people are like, dude, have another drink, man, because you're being a little bit too but serious. But I don't want to. That's that's the thing that pisses me off. It's just like, leave me alone. 
I know it's it's because think, your reactions to things are just being too you serious. If you actually drank and then was like, yeah, not for me, guys. But you just saying, not I for have me, every single time fine. we've been on live stream. I have every time. No, I mean, yeah, you've drank every time. Before, but I, I get what, and people laugh at it because it's your reactions. It's funny. Why would they not want to laugh? It's just I just don't understand why people just can't leave me alone about it. I don't know. They they. It's fun, man. It's fun. But it's not fun to me, and I just had no desire to do it, so why didn't you just leave me alone about it? <laughs> it's not that serious. You're taking man. it too, too, too Way seriously. Way too serious. <laughs> just have fun with it, man. I mean, if people are like I don't want to. Bum- I wish people would no, want me to. No, have fun with people making fun of you, man. Just fucking stop taking it so damn serious, dude. You're yeah. taking this serious right now. Even if people are like bugging you about it, that doesn't mean that you have to be you don't have to do it like you know that so you don't have to be all upset about it either okay you feel? <laughs> real talk that is real talk man ah uh, yeah speaking about speaking of you should uh, be happy people are like excited to see you do something <laughs> they clearly love you whenever you're whenever they're fucking trying to get you to have fun so yeah, it's true, man. It's true. How about those? Uh, how about Pittsburgh today? This is a football podcast. Of course, it's not a football podcast when they fucking lose. We'd be fucking talking about them for a half an hour. I just wanted. I don't, to I don't think they shat the bed, dude. It, dude. it was it was a tough game, man. Like I, that <sighs> going into the Saints. Man. Like Saints are so good at home, and to really put up a fight. Um, there was a few bad decisions in there. I think there was a few bad calls by the refs too, you know, on both sides, which was a little frustrating. I hate when there's those questions in the air. And of course, like Juju fumbles the ball at the end. Like I can't be mad at him. He's played amazing the entire year. He can mess up once. You know what I mean? So I, I can't be mad at the situation. It was a tough he game. He would have been down if you didn't fall over that guy. I know it's rough. <laughs> yeah, man. All day, all day. I was sitting here just wishing Pittsburgh would win so JP would be in a good mood for the show. It's like, still in a good mood. Because we jumped was, on right after the game ended, and I was like, oh, man, here we go. JP's going to be no, if, down and if, bummed if out. If we would have jumped on after the Oakland game or after the Denver game or after the San Diego game, yeah, I would have been in a terrible mood. But, yeah, but this you had one, a reason to lose to San Diego. They're a good team. So so is New Orleans, but I, I know. But why would you be mad about San Diego? Because how we lost. It, it's more about how you lose that makes me mad than than just losing. I mean, that's kind of true. If you if you respected the way your team played and they lose, you know, if you feel like they played good and lost, that's that's yeah. easier to digest for sure. And, and honestly, but, like people were hating on the Mike Tomlin call to go for it on on that punt. You know, the fake punt. I actually didn't mind it because the way I was looking at it is you're going to kick the ball, punt the ball to Drew Brees. He's going to have the entire field to chew up the entire clock and then score at the end like he always does. So at least now he has a short field and you get time and have a chance to to score at the end, which is what exactly happened. We just didn't execute. So I'm okay with that call too, honestly. Mm Hmm. Well, at least for once now we won't have to adjust the JP schedule when they don't make the playoffs. Nah, we still g- have a chance if Cleveland beats Baltimore, which is entirely possible. We're it is possible. We're going to have to adjust to yours now that the Bears are going to be in. 
I mean, mm. I'm I'm now that the if the Steelers don't make it, then the Bears are who I'll be rooting for. Why don't we just get uh, all on the same page and become Bills fans? We don't have to worry about the schedule and shit because they never make it. Bills suck. Yeah, that's what he's saying. We wouldn't have to worry about the schedule ever. I think yeah. Jeremy missed the whole point of that joke. <laughs> yes, I got the joke. <laughs> but no, I mean, we always I always try to. I'm I'm a football fan, so. Playoffs come once a year. I do like to watch as many games as possible, whether I'm in it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will adjust our schedule if we can to fit, you know, some some key games if if possible. Because I love football, <laughs> and playoff football is like, of course, man. We can't just make the our lives revolve around this. Yeah, awesome it's, podcast. So there's a few yeah. things that I will pump the brakes on the show for the Super Bowl. Um, and you know, luckily most fights aren't on Sundays, but if it was a big fight, then that too. But of course I get shit for wanting to pump the brakes for the Oscars. No, but you, you always, you always change that argument. Like we're not saying that you can't, yeah, we're giving you shit that you want to watch the Oscars. But if you were like, can we do, you don't, you're just like, might have to miss the show instead of saying like, can we do it like this time or Saturday? The Oscars are gay. (laughs) I know they're That's gay, the but annoying. I don't really care if you think they're gay. The annoying thing is that you won't, um, you you won't throw out ideas. You just like I have to miss the show. You know what I mean? Like throw out an idea. Like you think we could do the show on Monday? You think we should do the show well, on Saturday? And throw it out way ahead of the time too, not like day of. <laughs> and then I've been um, saying it. I say it every year. Every year, it sounds like I say it the day of. Well, we don't follow when the Oscars are, so you're gonna have to tell us like I would tell a couple you. weeks ahead of time. And and if you want to do something, dude, and if it's possible, of course we'll move the schedule. That's why I don't get get it when you get so mad at me. Um, and I, honestly, I would just record the game and watch it after, but you fucked me the one time I did that and spoiled it. So, not doing that anymore. Jeremy spoiled something? No fucking way. So. <laughs> You know what really pisses me off? Mooch calls me a straight-up liar that he doesn't believe that I'm fucking working on Christmas Eve. If that was me, he would be giving me shit for weeks that I'm not a good friend because I don't believe him. Dude, Mooch, I was completely I was 100% joking. Most people mm-hmm. most people have to work. I mean, my shop is open. Dude, tomorrow. I used my, to all the time. This my, is the first year that I get holidays off since I've been at this job. I just buy chance. Yeah, just don't have to. The you know, Toyota's closed on Monday for just for reason whatever but aaron's got to work tomorrow you know we've got our shop open most people work tomorrow i was totally busting your balls i'm like i don't think shooting commercials stops on christmas christmas eve is technically just another day i would question if it was christmas day i'd be like what that's fucking weird but yeah are you shooting on christmas day unless of course you worked at 7-eleven because you know they don't get the time off but yeah but they don't fucking celebrate christmas anyway so what time do you have to be in tomorrow (laughs) eight o'clock Oh man, you get to sleep in. Damn, that's pretty sweet. Not really, because I have to drive forty-five minutes. Because I live forty-five minutes outside of Chicago. Is it <laughs> luckily, in there Chicago? won't be. Luckily, yes, it's always in Chicago. Luckily, there probably won't be traffic because it's Christmas Eve. No, I mean you could be driving to the actual site. I or mean, there might be a, a lot of somewhere because it's Christmas Eve. Mm, I don't think so. I would assume most people are already where they want to be. Maybe. Maybe. Boots would know best. He worked at a fucking airport. Yeah, I don't miss those days. I really don't. Really? Well, working outside, man, takes a toll on your body after so many years. It's brutal. Yeah. 
Oh, cold. And shitty ass cold weather. Nah, I'd rather be inside where it's warm. Not have to. Well, you were inside change. most of the don't time. Yeah. Wait, don't, don't you still work outside now? No, I work inside. I work in a shop. I I thought you delivered mail or something. He got rid of that job a long time ago. Where the fuck? Seriously? Are you yeah, man. I quit pure later because <laughs> fucking JP really pays attention. You really don't listen. Be- when did you tell tell us that? I don't. A long when, time ago. When they lost the UPS contract that everything went all fucked up and yeah so i was just like i, I need to get out of here because everything was kind of uncertain for the future and shit so i just went and got another what job what the hell do you do now you work in a body shop i work at toyota i work in the shop like doing stuff to cars yes yeah i didn't even know you could do that i can do that <laughs> it's you know i never wanted to leave pure later it was tough because this job is a major major pay cut so mm. that was kind of the shits but it is what it is. I got a sugar mama anyways. But okay. <laughs> okay. Let's move this along, man. Um, yeah. JP, we got some news? We'll do it live. No. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Yeah, very little news this week, though. Uh, the first little bit of news is um, kind of looking towards next year uh, with the, I guess, one of the first films that I'm aware of that's coming out and uh, that, you know, that's coming out early. Uh, and that is A24's Hole in the Ground is supposed to hit VOD at the end of January. I thought it was only direct TV. Which I have, so. Yeah, well, most people don't, so. I think most people do. It's like the leading I don't think most satellite. people have Comcast. I don't know. I, I would like to see those numbers, but I think direct TV is pretty popular. Um, But yeah, so this is um, said to be in the vein of the Babadook. Uh, the Babadook. horror film will arrive on DirecTV January 31st. The film uh, follows Sarah and her young son, Chris. Uh, They move into a new home in the Irish countryside next to the forest that hides an enormous sinkhole. One night, Chris vanishes, and when he reappears, he seems to be unharmed and unchanged. But as his behavior grows increasingly disturbing, Sarah begins to fear that the boy who has returned may not be her son at all. Sounds like some sort of doppelganger film, you know, go into the hole and somebody else comes out. Hmm. All right. Could hmm. be cool. I mean, A24 usually does well. Well, but Slice was amazing, right, Moods? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that I one. did hear that was pretty not good. Um, after that, we have Fox Searchlight is set uh, sets writer for Guillermo del Toro's produced remake of Terrified. Um, so they're remaking Terrified for the you know U.S. audience, oh. and Terrified was I believe like a Spanish film that was on Shutter this year. Yeah, it was pretty good. I thought it was really cool, actually. Pretty interesting. Film. Yeah, some very very creepy shit in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. Del Toro is producing a remake, which honestly seems right up his alley, right? Yeah, Children. I heard it's like his kind of, and it's Spanish, so yeah, yeah. 
He's yeah. Spanish, so he probably literally like fell in love with the movie, like yeah. he does with stuff. So I mean, that's cool. Whatever. I, 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 there is room for improvement on that, so I'm not like super annoyed. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious to see where it'll, like how much it'll look like the other one. <clears throat> All right. Um, so a couple of images came out from Jordan Pill's new Us. movie Us. And uh, he is quoted saying, for my second feature, I wanted to create a monster mythology. So, sounds different. Of course, it's got to be black-themed. That's kind of his thing, right? Yeah. We'll see what it is. I think it'll be I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what kind of subtext he'll throw in there. Because he he had mentioned, after Get Out had come out, that he had a couple more ideas for horror films that were, like, culturally relevant. So, well, he's doing another horror film. Yeah, the the artwork on that poster, man, was like the DVD version or artwork for Felt. You guys seen that movie Felt? I think someone made a post, and I think it might have been Dave Z. I think I reviewed Felt on the podcast, but he's like, "What does this artwork remind you of?" And then I posted the the artwork for Felt, and it's like identical, (laughs) pretty much. That artwork's been used too many times, but. So, uh, well, the trailer comes out Monday, Tuesday. I, I'm curious to see what he does with this film, though. What's up? I said I won't be watching. You'll just see it in the theaters and you'll watch it. No, I try to not, but I don't know. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I think it has right, so potential. The, oh, yeah. It, I love Get Out. So, I mean, I, yeah. Jordan Pill's stock is super high right now for me. <laughs> um, so. This little bit of news was pretty cool because I had read this like a few weeks ago, but then I started seeing it everywhere. So it like made the rounds, but I don't know where I first read it. It might have been Twitter. Um, But essentially, there's this movie that was released in 1989 uh, called Dow Code for Santa Claus. And apparently it was only available on VHS bootlegs for a very long time. Mm hmm. And it's French. Al- the Alamo dra- Draft House has unearthed it and is one bringing it to theaters, and then I assume later. No, we'll I, have I think it was American this. film genre unearthed it. Uh, well, it says American film genre, uh, American film archive. Yes. Yeah, American yeah. genre film archive and the Alamo Draft House. Yeah. Is what the report says. So um, this is kind of interesting. It says the film actually predated Home Alone, uh, annihilating a generation of French kids weaned on action-packed Christmas time gems such as Gremlins and Die Hard. It disturbed critics and the movie-going public with a, a uncompromising look beneath the surface of the beloved holiday. From there, the film went on to worldwide distribution, except for America, where it had yet to be seen have an official release until now. Um. That's pretty cool, man. I mean, that I, I love the idea that there's this, that there's gems out there still. You know what I mean? Like we saw it uh, a couple of years ago with Angst. Yeah. yeah, like that movie had not really had any exposure in the U.S. And then all of a sudden, it got released by Cult Epics, and you know, it made Jeremy's top fifty favorite horror films. Yeah, it was just heavily bootlegged for years. It was it was always floating around and shit, but yeah, yeah. no no official release. But yeah, I'm really. Well, what cur- about this one? Have you I, heard of this one before? No, I've actually never heard of this film. Never seen it. Um, so that's that's awesome. 
that's really not playing here. That's really <laughs> intriguing to me. I hope that you know, um, that they release it on you know DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. Um, if it's an I'm American sure film, if it's an American sure genre film, I mean, if they they probably own the rights to it because they own the rights to fucking like thousands of movies. Yeah. Um, and it seems right up their alley for an- something that they would release because they've been releasing some very kind of oddball films recently on their new lines. So. I think this one would be a great title for them to release. But you know me, I'm always down for anything Christmas related. And if this is kind of structurally like a Home Alone, fuck, sign me up, man. That's pretty damn good. What if Home Alone was rated R and featured a murderous Santa Claus? Yeah, dude. I mean, you can't get any better than that, right? I mean, when I saw the, the, I think when Jeremy posted this, I fucking, I was sprung, dude. I was harder than a rock. So that's, I think MVD releases those films. Yeah. Yeah. American Film Archive. All right. Yeah, they're um, distributed through Arrow, Yeah. Uh, and the last little bit of news here that I have was um, some of Arrow's announcements uh, for February, March, March. March. Get your goddamn date right, Jesus Christ! Fuck. <laughs> well, I never know. Like, I think it's the it's the it's January the announcements, isn't it? No, really, that's already been. Yeah. Those have been. Uh, announced already so February, um really? yeah i'm pretty sure uh let yeah, me see probably. here probably they're march so first up you have the ring collection oh these one okay yeah which has ring ring two and i think ring oh rings ring oh yeah so are these the ring the asian ring films yes oh uh, okay Okay. I didn't know there was an Asian ring, too. Mm-hmm. Well, now we know. I own it. You own everything. <laughs> I don't have Ring O. Don't have that one. And then uh, after that, we have... Oh, you know what they should try to get a hold of is those damn Juan movies. Well, considering we have to watch them all. <laughs> Eventually. Never. Oh, that franchise is like, all over the place, too. Yeah. Um, after that, we have um, the Blood Hunger box set, the films of Jose Larraz, uh, Spanish director, Whirlpool, um, v- Vampires, and what's the other one? Calling something? I can't see. I haven't seen the other two. I obviously own Vampires and shit, but. Yeah. Yeah. So see my that- papers were excited about this. That is pretty fucking cool that he's getting some exposure. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, that that ring set was UK only, by the way. Yeah. Um, and then we have Sister Street Fighter, which is hitting UK, US, and Canada. Then we have Strip Nude for Your Killer, which is US and Canada. Which... That's the first Blu-ray release mood? No, I have it on Blu-ray. The yeah. Blue Underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. What if it's going to be a New transfer. Which okay, what movie was that again? Strip, Strip nude. nude for your killer. Oh yeah, Blue Underground. I was Blu-ray for that. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, um, the film that we actually were supposed to cover, and I think the first viewer's choice, um, which was Call Bus. Yeah, it sounded pretty cool. I've never seen it. It's a '90s slasher. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. See, I like that. I talked I, about I, that one in my in my. It came from or the my '90s series that I did. Call of Us is a cool film, man. I think it's it's definitely one of the standout films from 
99. Such a fucking downer year. Yeah. But it's a cool film though, man. You know, I just I was fucking shocked. You know, you you get these comments and shit, and you know the announcer, yeah, and he said Andrew, of course, comments because it's you know that era of films, and he's like, this is one of my least favorite you know films from this era, and I'm like, why? Like <laughs> I just I, I don't I can't wrap <laughs> because my head he's around. retarded. But it, it's fucked to me. It's like it's because there was no floating heads on the cover or something. And he yeah, did mention the floating it. heads, and I was like, what the f-? I'm like, does he like these movies because there's floating heads on the covers, literally? I don't know. That is really bizarre to me, but... He's I'm a re- weird dude. He's like Don and Nelly. They're I'm really glad strange. that Call of Us is getting a really good, um, you know, release. That's fucking cool, man. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Good on did it have it. a release before? Yeah, it's got, uh, it's got a UK DVD and a Region 1 DVD also. Who released it? I'd have to check the DVD. I'm not 100 percent sure. It, it's yeah. I don't know. It seems pretty. It it is the studio though. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, but yeah. That's it for the news. Well, that's it for the releases. Cool. Cool. Yeah, then that's uh, that Jose Ramon Laris Laren set is that's fucking cool, dude. I was kind of hoping that it wasn't going to be. Well, I guess if it's the UK only set, I mean, I guess it could have been symptoms that they got the um, rights for it. But, you know, Mondo Macabre released that film, right? Oh, that's a great film. Yeah, and he's the guy that directed that and probably mostly known for doing symptoms now and vampires. But he also yeah. did that film that doesn't release uh, Edge of the Axe. And I thought maybe it might be in that box. I was kind of hoping it was going to be in there. And also uh, Rest in Pieces, you know, those two kind of later 80s, very generic slasher films, which seemed very odd. That he did those, but considering mm-hmm. what he had done before in his career, but uh, but I, I'm happy with this one. It, it, it looks like there might be some horse fucking in one of them, so that's you know. horse fucking. <laughs> well, have you seen Straight Black Pure Alley? Have you seen Black Candles from 1982? Did you guys watch it for the 82 show? Black Candles. No. That was a large uh, film, and it's got a scene where a chick's getting railed by a goat. Yeah, nice. It's pretty good. So. so he likes his bestiality. I guess. Yeah. It fits in the story. It's pretty fucked, though. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyways. Good stuff. All right. So that's it for the news. Val, you're right. Very slow. How, how come it's so slow? For news. I thought there was more shit. Going I'm on. not sure, honestly. Um, it's that time of year, you know. Nobody's really announcing much. I guess so. Um, because it's, you know, kind of wrapping up. Um, and of course, next week we have our top ten of 2018. Which we, should show, which I, we should probably get on that too, you know, to get the viewers' top ten list or listeners. I keep saying viewers, listeners' top. 10 I list. wasn't gonna do it this year, but if you want me to, I will. I kind of like it. I, I like to see what you know what people are into. And the only reason I say that is because we didn't do it on the 70 or the 82 show. Yeah, we didn't. It's a year-end show. We're the 76 show. It doesn't have to be for those. I I think for the year-end, though, it kind of makes sense to see what everyone else's opinions are and stuff. And I was actually online while you were watching the football game. I was kind of surfing around looking at lists and shit. Man, there is a lot of fucking different top 10 lists for 2018. So many different films, man. I think that this could be... I always like to count how many crossover films that like how many unique films there are per list mm-hmm. like if me you carly and jeremy do 2017 how many unique films were there in the thing 
And yeah. I feel like this year might be one of the most uniques um, out of all of the ones that we've done. Which, by the way, this is our 12th top 10 show coming yeah. up here. 12th. I have a feeling, too, man. I have, I have a distinct feeling that there might be some pretty different lists. Which, which means we've done... That's pretty interesting. It means we have done like seven or six retro shows and six um, non-retro shows, I think. Yeah, current top ten list. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Considering we've only done 150 episodes, that's a sizable chunk for what it is. Yeah. It actually yeah. is when you put it into perspective. We're doing one yeah. like every, you know, so many episodes. Ten episodes. It's, it's pretty, you know what? <laughs> pretty interesting. Say- Single review shows used to be the norm, but now it's like there's so little of them, actually. Never. <laughs> mm-hmm. that there's actually so little. And I mean, it, even including when it was the norm, like now it's, I think, populated heavily by director spotlights. I mean, that's our most popular. That's 100 percent without a doubt. If I'm using my, you know, m- just based off memory, I would I would guess that director spotlights take up the most amount of episodes uh, versus any other type of theme. Yeah. That's because we incorporated Italian month. So yeah. Getting which four right there. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which I'm a fan yeah. of, man. I, I like doing, I like, you know, I've done a lot of, you know, personal top 10 directors lists. I like those type of lists, you know, when you single a director and stuff and, you know, do lists or shows and stuff. I, I kind of like doing that. So yeah, I can't wait to uh, Romero do some more top tens and stuff like George that. George J. Romero. I hope I somebody actually picks one, picks a top ten on the Patreon and do yeah, top ten to fucking I don't know alligator film. Oh, the Jeremy would love that. Oh no, I don't even think he's. <laughs> I don't think I've seen. I, I've definitely. Seen I just that. use that top as a very asylum, obscure idea. Releasing films. Yeah, I mean That'd something simple. I, I think we'll go kind of simple at first, like you know, top ten vampires, maybe throw a werewolf on there, uh, slashers, you know, stuff like that. You know, stuff that's a little, you know, top ten Romero films or something. You know, mm-hmm. when I make slasher lists, I always make them different. Like I'll do one for non-franchise. You know, and then one for well, franchise. Well, I think that would be actually See, needed if I did. Yeah. <laughs> or else you're gonna get ten Friday the Thirteenth films, guys. Yeah, just like no, your I'm fifty kidding. list. I'm kidding. It, I I would actually struggle. I guarantee it would be all franchise films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if we're counting Elm Street and Chainsaw Slashers, then yeah. You wouldn't have one original slasher on there. Not if it was included franchises probably not i don't think Mm -hmm. all right cool i'm actually curious to go i'm gonna do this after i get like the lists and and stuff up on the website i want to do some like stats for our list like how many like what was the most popular year like what ha- what year had the most films for our list like how many films were in the 80s how many fi- you know what i mean like just get some like neat little statistics like that mm-hmm. i think that would be fun cuz i'm actually kind of curious like if you take all three of our lists what year had the most titles 81 just cuz of moods <laughs> maybe you know you know what though like are we, ta- are we talking from the top 50 
Yeah. yeah. Oddly enough, I think the most popular year was 86 on my list. We joked about that, but I think I went back and looked, and I think 86 had the most films, which is so fucking weird, because if everybody the knows me... The funniest thing that I found about that was how different they ranked from your actual 86. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, but I did explain that away, though, because I said the majority of my films from 50 to 30 are kind of like interchangeable, so yeah. I think yeah. that might have been enough of an explanation to be like, hey, guys, if... You know, class of Newcomb High is higher than fucking this one or whatever. And you look at the 86 list and it's completely, you know, ass backwards. It's because, yeah, I'm, I'm kind yeah, of eccentric like that a little goes bit, I guess. To show yeah. How, like, whenever you make a list, your feelings can sort of change on stuff within just a couple of weeks. Like, I know for a fact, like, looking at my 2017 list, my 2016 list, it would be completely different now. Mm-hmm. Like, um, especially like last year, you know, and I, I have it up in front of me right now. Last year, I know for sure that Gerald's game probably wouldn't have made the list. Now that I think about it, mother would have been a little bit lower and better watch out would have been in my top three, probably top, really? two or top, top three or four. It would have been ahead of it for sure, which was number four. And it would have actually probably dropped to like, and after that rewatch that I had. Yeah, it's very, very strange, man. I think, you know, for all the years I've been stressing about how 81 is like the best year and my favorite, 86 came out on top here, and I think 82 even had more than 81. Mm. It's really weird how that works. I think just yeah, overall as a look year. Look at this, yeah. too, though. If it was a top 100 list, yeah. See, that's then a- it might have way more 81 because, mm-hmm. you know, that I was thinking that too, like with my list, like there would be so much because I would have gotten so much more variety from 51 to 100. Yeah. And the episode would be 14 and a half hours long. <laughs> you imagine. We <laughs> well, I'm just saying in general. For, that's what that's what we'll do for episode 200. Our next 50. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> our next our next top 50. Actually, 1980s representing on here quite a bit, too. So. But yeah, that's another great year. But yeah, peeps, man, Patreon supporters. Get on those top 10 lists, man. I'd like to do them. First, I have to add it. <laughs> they can't get on it. Oh, you haven't added. even added? See, I never go no, to I Patreon. Keep, so yeah, I, but yeah. You know what, man? I don't know. Like the Patreon We're talking to you, Moods Dad. We're talking to you. <laughs> Still the most bizarre <laughs> thing <funny>. ever. <laughs> I, I haven't talked to him. Actually, I'll see him tomorrow morning because we're going over there, but... But I can be like, dude, what the hell? Like, how long was he watching for? How many inappropriate comments did he hear? Like, I mean, my parents are cool, though, in that sense. They don't give a shit, but. Gotta ask him that. I mean, at least, I mean, they had, you know, the balls to actually click on the live stream. That was pretty impressive. I'm pissed that Jeremy didn't crack open that canned chicken. Me too, man. Where's your own canning? (laughs) (laughs) The Jack Daniels fucked me up. I want to see what it looks like. You say. You tell me all the time. I'll try anything once, yeah. including gay sex. But <laughs> would you actually try that candy chicken? Um, is it? It's ready to eat right out of the can, right? It's like all ready to go and shit. Like how is it? Go on YouTube and type it in. There's a ton of them. I, I know there is, but I want I want to see what happens if you did it. Yeah. Okay. Man. And I, oh, here's the thing with the canned chicken, like, because you think about it, right? Like. 
I've eaten canned chicken before, like shredded canned yeah, chicken. Yeah, but not a whole sure. fucking chicken. Yeah, why is it so chicken. fucking creepy that it's a whole... Like, that? It, what, like, you've eaten canned chicken. You know what canned chicken is. It's, like, not that scary. You know, it's not what I would want, but I would guess I would eat it. But a whole canned chicken just... it. it for some reason, I can't get past... There's something there that makes it disgusting. Oh, you, you should just go I mean? watch a video and watch people open it and, like, the top layer's nothing but, like, orange fat that's just, like... I've seen it before, to the top. like, a long time ago when they were first the thing, but yeah. I want to see... Why don't you do that? Why don't you make a video? I think it would be great. Post it on the Patreon, maybe. <laughs> I'd watch it, man. I, uh, I watched... I think it was... Like, I want you to taste it, but even just opening it, I would be happy with. But I don't but taste. Understand how canned meat's still a thing? Like, why do how do people still buy canned meat? I mean, it's it's one. It's lasts a really long time. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't think I've I can't think of a canned meat that I've eaten. The thing I don't understand is those canned burgers. How the hell does that work? Oh, I've seen those too. They I, had a can. They had a can of pre cooked. Uh, ground beef. I was like, why the hell do they have that? That's weird. Like, who the hell would buy a fucking can of ground beef? I, I think Jeremy's Dinners of Death needs to be a thing on Patreon. I think it's weird because ground beef takes like two minutes to cook. So it's like, this is lazy. But yeah, yeah I think I've I seen know. the LA I, Beast do the, the canned burgers and I was like, what yeah. the fuck, dude? Like, that's I would burger eat and a bread. lot of Ugh. canned stuff. I would try it. But that whole chicken freaks me out man like i would try a canned burger fuck it i would try canned bread but like the whole chicken i would not try i don't, I don't think. think canned bread would be that bad i mean it's not that big of a deal canned bread but you think it would be soggy right because it's sitting in you know it's over top of a patty like you think it mm-hmm. would absorb some of that shit and just be kind of soggy and and, and yeah i'm not sure i think you could only get them in germany Oh, I don't know. That's weird to me. In Hamburg, and maybe? I'm not a picky eater, man. I'll, I'd fucking, I would try the canned chicken, but I would have to sit there and work up some, you know, some courage for a couple minutes because I'm with you on that, man. Like, I have no problem with like, you know, tuna out of a can and chicken and stuff. Like those things are yeah, normal. but you like spam, don't you? I do. I love fried spam. It's fucking good. But anyways, but like, I think having a whole chicken with the bones and shit is just. It's yeah. just it's it's, it's odd. Weird, it is. Man. It's odd and weird. And I think canned, uh, you know, tuna and shit. Like it's already processed and stuff, and it's ground up, and it's in the can. That's what the can's for is to hold it. You know, that's what you're doing with it. But like a whole chicken, though. What the fuck, dude? They they just kind of like took this chicken and stuffed it into a can and put some preservatives in there. Pretty much. That jelly is what. Soft, that's what the jelly yeah. is. It's like a preservative, man. It keeps everything kind of kosher. Uh, I think it's just like the fat that's like. For made a gelatin. Top. Yeah. I think that's what's on spam. Yeah, because like yeah. I know Jeremy and me are a big fan of MRE Steve. Yeah. I love watching that guy eat weird shit out of packs. <laughs> but those things eats, actually like, look good. He I would eats eat like nineteen oh five rations. That yeah, I like, wouldn't do that. I don't like those ones as much as like the modern stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that but, that's kind of fucked up. I, I love watching Like, he this. ate a cracker from, like, the 1870s in one of his videos. It's like, he's fucking crazy. <laughs> Where is he getting that stuff, by the way? I don't know. MREinfo.com. Don't you watch the videos? <laughs> I've seen clips and stuff, man. I have he has, clicked like, on 700,000 subscribers. You should know. Yeah, that. dude. I watch that guy all the time. He he's has, like, awesome. he makes, like, $8,000 a month off Patreon. 
Let's get this out on a tray. Nice. Goddamn. <laughs> All right. Let's get this out onto a tray. Nice. Nice. Here it is. That's his. Okay. All right. Well, fuck. Nice. Let's comment on MRE. this episode if you know about MRE Steve. Yeah. Fucking thing sucks. Well, let's move this along. Let's get into uh, some box office brawl. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Ding, 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 ding. The first one of the year. First one of the year. I was the champion of 2018. My name should be enshrined on a championship belt because I beat you and I beat you. Since you're the winner, why don't you go first now? The whole time? I went first the entire time, pretty much. That was your personal choice. <laughs> I was fine with going whenever, but I refused to go first. Yeah, he, he was swooping in on those uh, the picks. You know, he's like, oh, they've laid Listen, their picks, and I'm just gonna, I, I'm gonna pick. Go I'm gonna pick four point one on a four. My prizes. Four point one on a four. Fuck Jesus. I will Fuck go Jesus. first when you guys ship me out my prizes. Oh, What's up with that? What's up? Should I pick something else, Jeremy? Okay, you want? Tor- I'll try to figure out the the torso arrow. Is that what you want? That's what I would like. All right, you'll be you'll be getting it in eight months. And then from Jeremy, I asked for Land of the Dead, but it's like at twenty three right now. That's and fine. I'll get it for you. It's fine. That's pretty fine. I, I think twenty five is a fair spot. That's what I I, I lost to Luis and something, and I he wanted Hell Knight. And it was twenty three. I sent it to him. Um, there was all but, these movies that were fifteen on Best Buy for the longest time. And then th- next year, you know, we're doing it again, brother. So there will be a new champ. I'm a defending champ right now. I'm just saying. I never um, win anything. It, th- but you have a one in three shot of winning this. Actually, you have better odds than that because you have a one in two yeah. and a one in two. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like a seventy five percent shot or something. No, it's a 50% chance, you fucking retard. It's like more than that. I think. It's like... One and two, one and two. I'm pretty sure that's still 50%. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you guys never seen um, that movie where they count cards? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, is JP having a really smart think, moment I right now and I just can't it, figure this math there's out? Two, you have two... What, you have two one and, one, one and two shots, so I think that somehow gives you a, a little bit better than a 50% chance. It gives you a... Well, if you add them together, it's like a 2 and 4. Same thing, 50%, no matter how you do the math. What's even right. more fascinating is JP Watch fucking 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I actually, you know what's funny? I bought that day one because I thought it looked cool back in the day when I just watched <laughs> movies in general. 21. <laughs> I have Kevin Spacey. Somewhere. I think Kevin Spacey's in it. He is. Yeah, he is. But, um, yeah, tell, tell us about this week's uh, feature film Escape Room from the year 2019, obviously, distributed by Sony and rated pure garbage for kids under 13, which is disappointing. I was hoping it was going to be R, but uh, is it that's that kind of that's exactly garbage. why I said it looked like shit. I, I looked it up and I was like, this looks like asshole. I even said it in our chat, you fucking asshole. 
I was like, oh, that movie's PG-13. You're like, oh, that sucks. I thought that movie looked pretty good. That's what you said, JP. Yeah. Yeah. You're really, you're really obtain absolutely nothing. I'm what? Don't obtain anything. No, I just have... Dude, I watched like close to fucking 400 movies this year. I can't do it anymore. I can't remember shit. You even know that Moods doesn't even work at his fucking job anymore. Yeah, he don't listen to shit, man. But, but get this, man. Escape Room, PG-13. Listen to this goddamn synopsis. Six strangers find themselves in, in circumstances beyond their control and must use their wits to survive. Can that yeah, get it's an eight? escape room. That's yeah, an escape room. <laughs> it's like the most generic sounding thing. I know. This has been done so many fucking times, so... I like escape rooms. I just can't imagine too much new shit being brought to the table on this, considering... I mean, it seems you know, limited. It, looks, it, looks, it looks okay, I guess. It looks very much like, like, way over the top, like, Cabin in the Woods or something, where it's, like, just unbelievable that, like, anybody would put together this amount of stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, whatever. I mean, I, I, honestly, like, what? I'm gonna go see it. It's the first horror film of the year. Um, oh, I probably don't have to worry about that. I probably won't get it, so... I bet you get it. Yeah. How many theaters is it playing in? Next question. It doesn't know yet. It's too early. Oh, too early? What the fuck? Does it say wide release, at least? <laughs> yeah, it's nationwide. <laughs> too early? It's playing in, like, two weeks. Yeah, it's too early. That's not right. How do you know what movies are going to do bad and what movies are going to do good in those next two weeks? What? Okay, what? Yeah, I'm trying to process If a movie that. like... If a movie like Mortal Engines does horrible like it has been, and a movie like Aquaman has done good, it's obviously going to be less theaters for that movie and more theaters for the new movie, so the theater count is going to go up. It, it shouldn't so affect it that one or two weeks. movies are doing well. It should still – I mean I, I'm pretty sure the distributors and whatever, they have a plan about how many theaters this thing's going into. Well, I would say it's probably going to be 20. I mean you just have to know that for print-wise too. I think it's going to be in the same realm as Hannah Grace, which and, opened uh, in 2,298. I, I was thinking around 2,000 as well. Yeah. So I Yeah, say I mean, that seems about right. I mean, it's a pretty safe bet to say 20 to 22. Somewhere. Damn, that movie made 15 million bucks. Who would have thought? Worldwide? No, domestically. Made thirty million bucks worldwide. Who would have thought? I didn't think it was too bad. I liked it. All right, JP, what do you got here? I'm still thinking. Oh fuck! (laughs) Well, I'm trying to think about January, right? Because that's a weird month to release stuff. But the only point of reference I really have is Insidious Four, which came out on the fifth last year. I went and seen it, and that made a lot of money opening weekend. Yeah, but, but it's, it's in, in cities. cities. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm sort of thinking about. And I'm try I was trying to look at a reference of horror movies released in January, but I can't find one, so that's not going to help me any. So, uh, let me take this into account. January, after the holiday, people are going to be on break still probably or going back. They would be going back, I think. They'd be going so, back. No break. So, I don't think people are going to want to go out to the theater after having a long break because they're going to be like adjusting to not having breaks anymore. Um, so then, on but it is PG thirteen, so it does help it rather than hurt it. Uh, does it look like a teen fodder film though? Does it look but like it is interesting that- because the last two years 
Oh, no, I don't want to help you. Okay, help me. Last two years, what? The number one film of January has been a horror film. Was it Rings or... Was it, it was Rings? Insidious 4, which made 67.6 million, <laughs> and Split, which made 138 million. Hmm. Yeah, but what did it make opening? What did Split make opening? Insidious 4 opening made 30 million, and Split opening made 40 million. That's not going to do that. It can't. No, no way. But both those movies have shit to go off of, though. Yep. Right? So that was helping it. This one has nothing. Except for it lo- kind of looks like Saw. <laughs> Mama made 72 million bucks. Jesus. But, I mean, in my opinion, that's not helping out the fact, though. I, I just don't think people want to see something like this, especially at a PG-13 rating. Oh, the other film that I was thinking of. Okay, so last year, Insidious, I watched it on the 5th. Okay, I'm not I'm not gonna tell you guys what I information I found out, but I'm gonna Why, I just come told you, in you at nine million, which might be a high guess, but I have I have a reason why I'm picking this. <laughs> okay. Wow, I was not expecting you to come in that high at all. That just kind of shocked me a little bit. The only thing that'll fuck me up is if it's in like fifteen hundred theaters. See, I'm thinking this is what I don't like about this right now, not knowing how many theaters. I think that's a big help when it is a big help. It is. It's a really. It's one of the biggest factors, actually. But because three thousand theaters will get you like, I know you just five you're just, million guaranteed usually. Exactly right. It's just the way it is. Even if you have nobody in there, you're still going to come out with a decent total. Um. <sighs> Man, not knowing. It's so difficult. Um, Like I said, though, I don't think this thing has much to go on. It's historically not a great month, even though apparently Mm -hmm. the last couple years have had films that did well. But those are kind of exceptions, in my opinion. I'm going to not discredit them, but I'm not going to use that info because those movies, I think, would have done well anyways. You know, like, Mm -hmm. so... Escape Room PG-13, it looks very generic to me. I haven't watched a trailer because I don't watch trailers, which I don't think is going to help me. I might even come in lower if I watch a trailer. Who knows? I know I would if it was Happy Death Day to you or whatever the fuck it is. (laughs) Um, Which you will see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'll go see it just to have a laugh. But um, Escape Room, man, I'm thinking I'm going to say four and a half million. I just don't okay. see this one doing well at all. Four and a half million. It's really tough without knowing the theater. Depending though. on the theater count, you could be right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but just going on a an educated guess of around two thousand theaters, I would say is a pretty safe bet. Three is really high. Fifteen is. Are pretty you going to go under me or over me, Jeremy? That's. Oh, I'll question. go four million five hundred and one thousand. What the? F- Did I not just fucking say this? <laughs> This fucking guy, man. Jeez. Oh wait, I didn't write these. All right, well that's fine because if it if it really tanks, then you know I have a little bit of breathing room there. But that shit to me all last year, and I'm pulling the same shit. Well, it's, we know not it's... to let Jeremy go last next time. It should be the fucking winner that goes fucking first every time. So whoever wins this shit next, okay, whatever. that's actually defining rules actually helps. Yeah, so the 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 
closest person goes first, the second closest will go second, and we'll go that way from now on. Yeah, and whoever's way the fuck off and loses goes last. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. It took, it took us a year to figure that out, but you know. <laughs> yeah, so I said, what? Nine million. Nine. Nine million. I got four, and Jeremy's got 4.1. Fuck, I just said that, too. No, 4.501. <laughs> so, Jeremy was what? Say it again. 4,501,000. 4, 5.1. Just get, like, really specific with that 1,000 right there. You can say $1,000 above moods. Okay. Um, we might have to see the actuals on that one <laughs> instead of the estimated. Well, if you but if you have four point five, what do you say? Four point four million five hundred thousand five hundred and one thousand. Yep. So it's four point zero four four point five zero one. Jesus. Yep. Four million <laughs> five hundred and one thousand. That one thousand you had to. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I'll just reveal like what my thought process was here now that we picked. So I knew that I had seen another horror film in January. Uh, it wasn't, I thought it was rings at first, but it wasn't. So last year it was what? Jeremy, it was what? Insidious four. Yes. So that doesn't help me. The year before that though, does help me split was 2016. I think, right? No, 2017. Okay, 2017. So that doesn't help me either, M. Night, kind of a bigger movie. But one movie does help me because it reminds me of the same thing. And that film is The Bye Bye Man, which came out the second week of January and actually pulled in 13.5 million opening weekend in only 2,200 theaters. That movie was fucking awful. So if that movie can do that, I feel like this movie can do. 13, but I'm not going to... I didn't say 13 because I thought that was too ballsy, so I went 9. Bottom made, made that much money? Crazy. Yeah, it surprised me. It only made 22 total, so it had a huge drop-off after week one. Yeah. But, um, you yeah, know... People saw how shitty it was and they didn't have a good word in mouth. I actually liked it. Yeah, but you're dumb. I never, I, I never seen it. I, I didn't watch it. So. I thought it was good, man. It was like Elm Street, but different. <laughs> Yeah, with no blood. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's Uh, But anyway, so that was my thought process. We'll see if it works next week because I thought that was a pretty – for having no information, I thought that was a pretty strategic play by me, the defending champion. Mm Mm-hmm. The defending champion. Yeah. Going to be two-time, count two-time champion next year. Yeah, we'll hey, man, see. don't be counting your discs already, man. What should I pick next year to oh, win? Christ. Listen to this guy. <laughs> Listen, never let me win anything because I'm going to fucking be so cocky and rubbing. Oh, good thing the Steelers never do. So <laughs> We got six Super Bowls, dude. Six. How yeah, many other teams have ago. six? None. Yeah, None have six. Ago. One was 10 years ago. When's the last Bears Super Bowl? Uh, that would be like 85, 33 years ago. Yeah. 33 years ago. It's the only one. And we were at one. When's the last Bill Super Bowl win? Never. Never. (laughs) They lost four in the nineties though. Five. No, we lost four. We lost four in a row. Haven't you seen the 30 for 30, dude? No. Really? Dude, it's like up there with the X. It's better than the X. It's the best. It's fucking crazy, dude. We have like 
in those four straight Super Bowl losses, and you know, in like a ten year span, I think we won the division like seven times and never won the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's just not good, man. It's not good. Really? No shit. Isn't that crazy though? Like that team was re- like, if you look at their numbers through that whole stretch, like it's crazy how many wins we have. Just couldn't win. So, you know, it's the way it goes, I guess. But so that was the first box office brawl of. 2019 yeah buddy Am there's I. a lot of films that i'm excited for in 2019 it should be a fun year of box office brawl as the defending champion and i will say that you fucking say that every time next, aren't you <laughs> yes in next week's episode whenever we talk about our top tens of 2018 we also give a preview of 2019 and i'm almost i'm, I'm pretty excited about that because i love doing that so uh yeah, look yeah, forward to that. Some, there's some cool films coming out next year for sure. Casper We're going to do a top five. Let, let's do a top five of our most anticipated. Well, we all know Child's Play remake is going to be on my list. Really? No. Oh. Big fucking sarcastic. It's stupid. Really? I, re- I re- am looking forward to that, honestly. So. Ah, you really want to watch that? That's definitely not yes, up there for me. I want to watch it. That's not because one of my more anticipated. The deal, dude. They fucked. They, it's not like they're killing it right now with Call to Chucky. Yeah, but it's still not Don Mancini. I don't care. Don Mancini made an awful movie once. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not makes like... an awful movie mm-hmm. once in their career. Yeah, but I'm saying he made an awful film in the series, so it's not like he's like, oh, Don Mancini can't screw up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but the, the biggest problem is Brad Dourif. But I have a feeling they're going a different route with this one, and, and it, maybe it doesn't talk like that, like a human talk, because they said it's robotic. So we'll see, man. We'll see. Mm. It could just be cringily bad, though. I could yeah. see that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm no There's so, so many movies I'm looking forward to. 2019 is the final year of the decade. I'm hoping we close it out big with some, some uh, good films. Well... I mean, let's just God, hope it's hope better it. than 18, you know, for more heavy hitters and shit. But yeah, yeah, it's been kind of lackluster yeah. this year for that. But but we'll get into that next week. Well, there, there's a lot the of big show. films coming out in 2019, yeah. including New It, obviously. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe it's coming out already. Yeah, it's crazy. That's fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. And actually, depending on when I see escape room, it could be my number one of 2019 for a few weeks. <laughs> Cause I, one. I rank mine as I go. There's no such thing as one in a row. So you have to have two to start making decisions. <laughs> I seriously, saying, whatever, whenever I type that in, it's going to be right next to the one spot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fuck. Okay. Anyways, that is uh, Box Office Brawl. Let's move this along and get into a uh, bonus review. A Patreon-picked bonus review from who sent this one in? Uh, Mr. Lethem. Yeah, Mark Le- Mark Lethem. 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 You know my favorite Jews? Not what? Jeremy? Not Jeremy. No, of course not. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite what Jews. Jews you know besides me and Brandon? You have a uh, I'm not talking about real life Jews. I'm talking about fictional character Jews. 
Okay. It's it's the grandparents in Rugrats. Yeah. Wow, that's really random. Yeah, I think they're hilarious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so this short here is coming from the year of 2011. And it's one I'd never heard of before. Um, Jack, I never heard of it either. By the guy who did Hereditary. I know that. That's why he picked it for us, but... Yeah. Okay. Yep, that makes sense. But yeah, I'd never heard of the short before. Um, yeah, directed by Ari Aster. <laughs> All right, and it's called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Um, quick little synopsis on which Okay, a dark domestic melodrama, melodrama slash satire about the ties that bind and the ties that really bind. Uh, this is a fucked up movie. Jeez. I don't really know how to talk about this. It's only it only runs about twenty eight minutes long. Yeah, and it really I mean everything that's happening there we kind of have to talk about. So yeah, there will be spoilers. Yeah, we have right. to spoil this because otherwise we just wouldn't be able to talk about it. Like any short, really, it's always hard to sh- review shorts because otherwise you just can't talk about Th- them, this. But. This was his first short, and he did like six, like five more. I don't even know yeah. if I could handle six more shorts from this guy. <laughs> well, he made Hereditary, and you did that, so. Yeah, but. Dude. <laughs> Honestly, man, Listen, I'd, I'd let really me, like let to me see just some lead off with my. It's a very interesting original opinion. idea, you gotta say. Yeah, it is. My first opinion of this, and we'll get into like what it is, obviously, but this was the most like cringy, uncomfortable thing I've ever watched. I think. Yeah. See, you took it differently. Like I was completely. You said you were laughing. I was like, ah, yeah, it's not dark. a funny thing. It's it, it's, n- it's it's funny because I was so like shocked by what I was seeing that I was. That's how I deal with things. I laugh. You know, if something bad happens or I'm scared, I start laughing because that's how I deal with things. And this was I felt no like the different. Cinematic gods were like getting revenge on me. They're like, huh? You like incest, huh? You like incest in movies, huh? Check out this short. I know, and Fuck. talk about flipping the script on the incest yeah. thing. Like, this film <laughs> opens up with a boy in his bed jerking off. Yep. He's holding yeah. up a picture. Well, it's like literally just... the first second of the movie. You're like, yeah. oh, jerking off. Okay. Like, I mean, like, literally. <laughs> Glad we established what kind of thing we're watching right away. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, um, you know, he's he's jerking off, and his dad walks in, and, and of course, quickly yeah. walks out because he just knew what he interrupted. Okay, so, first, what... let me stop you there. Let yeah. me stop you there. That right there was really uncomfortable for me mm-hmm. that talk between before the reveal even yeah. i was already like completely unsettled because i was like this is such a cringy conversation like i don't want to have this conversation i don't want to be the kid i don't want to be the dad like that's, this sucks that i think it was even more cringeworthy when he's like okay get back to it it's like yeah, jesus well, yeah Christ. and when he's like you do it i'm yeah, like but, ah. but i understand that though i mean i mean i obviously haven't had this talk with my son because he's a little bit too young to be doing that, but, but, you know, hey, they start but, I understand, know, but I understand <laughs> it as, you know, as a father, like basically what his father is doing, he's just trying to console and be like, Hey man, you know what you were doing is perfectly natural and it's all right to do that. And it's a great conversation. It, it, it's such a, per, it's such perfect writing in this short because when we get this reveal, like two seconds later of what he was jerking off to, that makes that conversation even better. Right, it's so natural and perfect. I mean, it, the irony uh, is ridiculous. It's so it ridiculous. See, you should record I, that he, conversation and post it on our Patreon at patreon.com/slash twenty two shots podcast. Listen, 
I right. Whether I'm a dad or a son, I don't uh, want to have that conversation. Period. It doesn't really bother like, me. Just leave honest. me alone if I'm the kid. Like you know what I was doing. Just like let's not talk about it. Or if I'm the if I'm the dad and I see that I'm be like oh. Time to go that way. That's they the know what it is, man. You don't need to have that fucking talk. I don't think so. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to. But I, th- I mean, it's it's also one of those moments for the father too. And then maybe that's how he's dealing with it. He's like, I just walked in, my son jerking off. He's like, I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now, so I'm just gonna kind of talk about it, you know. Instead of making it more awkward by running out and going, Oh my god, my kid's jerking off. You know, it's like <laughs> I wouldn't even react like that. I would just be like. I'm going to forget that that happened. But that's the beauty of this. So I think everyone is going to react to this a lot differently. But I don't know, man. I just, I just, re- after he gives them this, no, I'm, this I'm total. Not, I like where the, fi- I like it. Yeah, like yeah. The film, it was clearly, I think, meant to make you feel uncomfortable. For sure. Clearly. 100%. And it did 100% work for me. I'm just telling you what I would do in that yeah, situation. Yeah. But so I think after it, the reveal, yeah, it's just so I was cr- like, wait a minute. I was like, at first I just thought it was going to be like, oh, he's gay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even realize what the picture was. At really? Once. You didn't know what it really? was? I, I didn't until the fade in of the next of the of the shot yeah. after the I, mustache kind of threw me off. So I, I I'm not saying all black people look the same. It's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe you are because you just had to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, man, I have to say, I don't get, like, overly that shocked at things that often, but that one right there made my jaw drop a little bit. I was like, what yeah. the... F-? Like, it was literally one of those moments where you're like, what the fuck, right? Because he's so, so young and he's already doing that. It's, it's so like, it's weird. bizarre yeah. that what he was doing or who he was jerking off to. And then, you know, it's just, it becomes this, like... <laughs> It's a complete role reverse. It man. is a total role reverse thing where the son is basically taking the, the role predator. Of, yeah, he's like taking the the role of the predator, you know, as like and a normal. He's sexually abusing his dad. He's sexually abusing <laughs> his dad, and but just the way he talks to his father, like in yeah. the second half of the short and stuff, like when he and I have to say, man, the acting in this is really damn good, really yeah. fucking good. The kid does a great job when he's screaming at his father, and he's trying to convince his father that what he's doing to him raping him basically is normal it's just love Not basically he is he is he's he's telling his father that what he's doing is just love it's it's natural and he's kind of using his father's that, conversation that was, he had a good speech yeah he's using his father's on. conversation you know back in the, what we've seen before kind of against him in the same type of thing you know it's like you know it's natural and shit and i'm just like oh my god this is so fucked I mean, up man th- this this film beat for beat follows a scenario in which you've heard a hundred times yeah. just in a different yeah role. the other way like even the mother seeing it early on you know like looking through the peephole of the fence or whatever the yeah. fuck it was like you hear stories where uh you know girls or young boys were molested and said that their parent like knew and didn't do anything and it's yeah. like it's it's re- it's really disturbing because you see that that's you know how it would happen the other way too, and it's just disturbing because what you're actually seeing is disturbing. But mm-hmm. it's I, I mean this is one this is such a weird and this is actually the perfect type of short film in a way. Like mm-hmm. it feels like a, a contained story that is perfectly told in thirty minutes, and it's intriguing from the gate. 
which that is one of the biggest things with short films. We don't talk about short films a lot on here, Mm-mm. but when I watch a short film, if I'm not instantly interested in it, it like it's so hard to get invested in a short film. So the filmmaker obviously did a great job doing that because you're like, what the oh, fuck? He, he grabs you right from the, the opening yeah. scene for sure. Yeah. And then on top of that, like you have this, sort of like i'm still trying to figure out the point of it like what is the filmmaker saying here because i feel like he's saying something but it's it's very i was like i was like shocked at this i just think that anybody at any time could be the sexual abuser and you don't know i don't you know honestly i I don't don't really know if he was playing it like that though no like i don't think think... that's what he's saying yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, it's probably a metaphor for something. I don't know, but uh, it, it is so kind of, it, it is like, hard to process it though. Like, what was he trying to say? Like, look how ridiculous this is. Like, that this can like if like okay if it's a if it's a young girl or a young boy, right? Like, mm-hmm. you see it one way, but then you, by showing it in this ridiculous thing, it should never happen. Essentially, you, you know, know what I mean. Th- th- I mean, I kind of thought the same thing actually by having this role reversal where the son is raping the father. You know, yeah, you realize w- how ridiculous it is. It that is. somebody could rape somebody for so long because, yeah, exactly. How you I can kind of control this might be what he was going for. Yeah. like to say, like how ridiculous it is that people could get away with this for that long and so many people turned a blind eye. If you just look at it like this, you would see that it's fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. maybe maybe yeah. not i mean That's it is it, it's kind of showcasing in the role reversal though i mean i mean if this short was the other way around where it was the father you know doing it to the son everyone would be like oh fuck you know like you know it's just that that's kind of the norm i know it's kind of fucked up to say but that's it happens a lot though you know and i think mm-hmm. by showcasing the viewer the reverse role of the son dominating the father physically and mentally it's fucking ridiculous. And he, he's making a statement that, you know, this is, you know, it's ridiculous this way. Why isn't it ridiculous the other way kind of thing? And yeah, like, he, why, what, like you see it this way and you're like, okay, why is this mother not fucking doing something? And then you're like, oh yeah, that should be the way all the time. Like it should yeah. be to where people should fucking do something. <laughs> man, that um, scene though it, where it, it was a really fucking bizarre the bathtub short. scene. The bathtub man. scene, man, where the dad's in there <laughs> just yeah. like loses it's his sad. shit when he finds he yeah. finds this fucking basically his father is a writer in this. Wait, you, know, he's a famous you said poet. you laughed this entire time. Does that mean you're pro rape like Jeremy? No, it's just I'm laughing because it's so unbelievable. I've never even once ever thought in my life that a son could dominate his father like this. Like just the it, the idea was so original to me that I couldn't fucking I was like wow it is super original I just couldn't believe what I was seeing I was just shocked by it I was just laughing because I was like this is unfucking believable yeah that I this mean this, this is a fantastic short like yeah it's shot well it's mm-hmm. acted well the yeah. pacing's good I mean you could see why this guy went on to make one of the most popular horror films of last year it, it's I almost was... a shame that it took this guy. He packed what, so seven much into this fucking though. years to make a movie. Yeah. Like you can, yeah. can't tell that he has talent from that fucking short right oh, there. If that was the first thing I ever seen from this guy, I'd be like, I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. You know? Seven it's years. Dude. It took him seven years to make a feature. I think he made that when he was in film school, actually. 
That's a fantastic film school short. <laughs> no, I just think about what, what happened. When if he, he did it, make that know? in film school, I mean, he might have just been going for a little bit of shock value too. Like, let's come yeah. up with something really, really original. Like, let's not put too much merit into the meaning behind it. You know, it's not that allegoric and shit. But I don't know. Who knows? But either way, it's really, really fucking well done. And kudos to the actors in this. Like the son mm-hmm. kills it, man. <laughs> when when he's screaming at his father and he's like I said, convincing him you know, what he's doing to him is just natural and it's just all love. And he's like, I can love you more than your fucking bitch wife could ever do. And she, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, this is Hold up, guys. Up. I got an impromptu episode <laughs> of Critique the Critic here because this is the first IMDb review that I see with this review. Do I have to guess it who says, it is? Insulting and sloppy. One star. This is the kind of early film that gets one into the big time big time in Hollywood, apparently. See Burning Palms for another. Be offensive to the extreme, but shield yourself with a thin veil of demented comedy and or supposed ultra ultra ultraistic message? Ulteriistic something message the writer director is trying to flip the roles of the family abuse but giving in a veneer of winking comedy so odd and choosing to make the family black when the writer director is white are both choices that should insult and oh, see, now, that's just wrong yeah that's fucking stupid the, that color, the color that. doesn't see that's just people seeing it for face like what is that? using black let, let, and white okay. people like it doesn't matter like okay. i when i when i was actually, talking actually, about the beginning listen, of the film right? i said when a boy that. when a boy was jerking off i didn't even call him the black boy you know like yeah i don't understand why it has to be well, about the color first of all let me just say this sentence again choosing to make the family black when the writer is white, are both choices that should insult and def- offend? Why? Yeah. What is color? What, it doesn't have anything. It what, could happen. But, to- but even what argument could you make? No, there I'm isn't. saying for, what is his argument that? I don't get it. What is the argument there? People cast black actors and are white all the time. Wouldn't it be more offensive if the guy only casted white people all the time? Yeah. That makes no fucking sense, you fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, and then he goes on to say, "I'm not PC, but this is ridiculous. Why use black actors for such humiliating story, what? knowing the climate in Hollywood and lack of good all black storytelling? Why, as a white guy, would you do that?" But see, he's missing. He's missing the other part of the story here. This is a very, very successful black family. It's not like trash and fucking ghetto shit and just. You know, all the cliches that come with, you know, with being black and stuff. But give me a break, man. He, the father in this is like a, a really famous writer who's done well. Have you seen the fucking house they're in? It's like a yeah, multi-million yeah. dollar house. It's ridiculous. This family's well off. What does it matter? What he's saying is because it doesn't there make... are not very many all black storytelling things that if you make a film that shows black people in a situation like this, then it's bad. That's what he's saying. Yeah. And like, and I hate here. Here's what he says. Why is a white guy? Would you do that? What does it matter though? (laughs) I know. Right. Like, I don't know, man. He doesn't even bring up the race card once in the entire thing. There's like, there's nothing into it that says that, Shows cases these people being black. 
It's just people yeah. taking it the wrong way. I mean, I mean, right, they, let me this read the review wouldn't sentence. even have been written if it was white people. That's what's so fucked up. There is something sadistic underneath the making of this film leads through. You can feel the director getting off on his on this under the guise of being a brave truth teller. The average person who is not a Weinstein like Hollywood exec is not buying this. And P.S. It's not very well executed anyway. Sloppy and badly directed. See, he's just I mean, all this excessive comments here just because he's offended by it and shit. I mean, can't take that with a grain of salt. That's bullshit. I mean, he's not looking at it objectively at all. And just to look into his uh, his reviews, he re- he reviewed Hereditary as well and said overrated. <laughs> yeah. You must hate the guy then. And let me guess, in that one, he was pissed off because they didn't use black people? <laughs> <laughs> God's got a hypocrite. No, yeah, I, I, I just, I just, you know, it's shit like that, man. Those are the type of reviews that actually make me gag. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. You're not you have s- a shitty gag reflex. I do. It's the, it's the worst. It really is the worst. But yeah, yeah this guy sucks. Yeah, he gave a hereditary a five out of ten. Wow. Sounds like Don and Nelly. So, it sounds like the rating of somebody that didn't understand the movie. Yeah. So yeah. we all like this short. Yeah, it's good. It's really yeah. good, man. I, I mean, it's something I'm never gonna forget. You know, one time watch. It's pretty hard to forget, yeah, because it's just so damn. I don't. I'm wanting to sound repetitive. It is original. Instead of I mean, using the word shocking, it's original. That it's not that often that you can get a, you know, lengthy review out of a short. Yeah, I think this review went on just as long as the short did. Yeah, so, probably. But um, I love I love the uh, the memoirs that he had written. The title of it, though, I thought that the was really Coon clever. Man. Cocoon Man. <laughs> I thought that was really damn clever. That's cool. But man, watching him delete the file off his computer hurt my soul, though. <laughs> Spent yeah. all this time. Like, you just, you know, to write all that and then just delete it, it's like, fuck, man. I don't know. That was hurting me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. The strange thing about the Johnsons, if that interests you, I do highly recommend watching it. I mean, you kind of get the gist of what it is right now. It's. It's not a comedy. The son who d- fucks d- his father. Yeah, it's not a comedy at all. I was just dealing with it in a different way because it was just so fucking bizarre to me. But it's done really well, I have to say. Shot well, it's edited well, acted brilliantly. Like if this is, if you say this was done in, in uh, you know college or whatever, this is pretty damn impressive. Really, really yep. impressive. So to find the type of acting is incredible to me, but. Uh, Ratings, I, rate shorts. Can we rate shorts? I don't really. I, I didn't rate it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll rate it. I, I didn't I, actually I rate it. it Seven point five out of ten. I don't even yeah. know how to rate a short. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, are you rating it because it is a short, or? I mean, I I think that I rate. I rate short. I I think I would rate shorts like I would rate anything. I don't know. So, I mean, it's a good short, but it is a short. I don't know. Like, I, I didn't. It didn't like fucking. It's not like a ten. I, <laughs> I don't know. Unless it's I, a, unless you're rating shorts, like comparing to other shorts, then maybe it's a ten. I don't know. I think you got to rate it for what it is, right? It's a short film with a really original premise. 
you know, all the technical specs are there. You know, I don't think there's really a whole lot wrong with this at all. Mm-hmm. No, there's not. There's not much wrong with it. But is it as good as a ten or an eight or a nine? I don't know. I mean, rating it as a twenty-eight minute film. Um, yeah, I, I truly believe it is. I mean, just having the originality alone is big fucking ups. Big points. Um, it's hard to do today to, to really do that, man. I mean, you know, I say today, even you know, this is still seven years old, but I mean, even if I rate it against other shorts like Black Mirror episodes or Masters of Horror episodes or something, like it's still not going to be like a nine for me. Like maybe I'd give it an eight. Yeah, I I, I, I love this one, man. Um. It's actually one of the best things I've seen in a long time. I really enjoyed the shit out of this. Awesome. I know it's coming in ten or what? Honestly, honestly, man, I lay like, the nest. I actually wanted to watch it again right after I watched it. I was like, Jesus Christ! I just couldn't believe how shocked I was by it. But yeah, I'm gonna go with a ten out of ten based on a short. I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I mean, yeah, the the narrative itself is pretty out there in left field, but I think that's what works so well for it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it either. I was just like, wow, that kid's performance? Holy shit, man. Not the kid. I mean, the son takes place a little bit older. He's not like the 13 or 10-year-old kid that's jerking off in the beginning. We should have probably stressed that. It does take place (laughs) later on in his life. And that's the other oddball thing about the short is that he's like, they show him getting married and he's all like happily married, but he still has this intense love for his father. (laughs) (coughs) Oh, my God. It's so crazy. It's intense, man. Thank you, Mark, for for showing or for making us talk about this one. Because yeah, if anybody else has more shorts, I would gladly do more shorts. Because one, it doesn't take as long to watch, and two, if they're this good, then I, you know, don't give us like fucking Chucky Burst Pinhead fan film or something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but like legit shorts, I'm down. We should do a short episode. How many though? I don't know. Just yeah, like of course, of course, of course, we'd go. We, of course, we'd go out and make minutes. it. <laughs> no, dude, most shorts are not thirty minutes. Most shorts are like seven to fifteen. Jeremy, what do you rate this one? Oh, I didn't even rate uh, eight and a half. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Second, there, I thought we were putting a short in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> fuck, man. I mean. I don't know. It's good. It, it, it was good. Yeah, it, is good. It, it was really good, man. <laughs> ah, shit, dude. I just... <sighs> Fuck. Thank you, Mark. That's all I'm going to say on that one. That was good. That was good. So, You're ups. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Have you checked the children? children? Children. What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. All right, so moving along here, uh, let's get into the uh, dub 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 portion of the show. Of course, that is what we watched. 
And y'all know the routine of what we watch, man. It's where we go round circle, give some reviews, ratings, and pass the baton. I will start us off this week with a film from, according to IMDb 2017, I believe this just came out to us in 2018, which is also eligible for your year-end list, I believe. And it is called The Moss. This is a film that where the hell is it from it's this it's a spanish is this uh dick moss's self-titled flick what's that (laughs) it says this dick moss's self-titled yeah exactly i believe it's done by a spanish director It's chris moss we're reviewing the moss and we're reviewing a film from dick moss yeah there you go man uh yeah it's directed by yeo hirio he's a spanish director but this movie takes place in bosnia um yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting because our lead character is actually from she's a native of Bosnia and her boyfriend is actually a German, and it's dealing and it has Serbs in it also. <laughs> so this is a little bit confusing, but um, but anyways, the premise is it follows our two main characters, Alex and uh, and Selma. Um, Alex, of course, is a German. Selma is the bo- the girl from Bosnia, and they're trying to basically get home. And they're in this forest. They're just kind of killing some time before they have to catch a flight back to Germany. And, um, and the thing is, Selma has this, like, almost like a security blanket around her neck. It's called, it's an amulet called uh, a Hamaja, Hamaja or something like that. And to me, it basically represents, like, a security blanket because she comes from a really, really bad time. But anyway, something, she feels something's off in this, uh, in the forest. And they come across these two guys that turn out to be Serbs. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, a whole pile of shit starts going down without giving too much away. Um, this is a really, really interesting film. I have to say, man, I was engaged right from the beginning of this, given the fact that it's done by a Spanish director and it's dealing with all this stuff. Um, so the backstory is on her character, Selma. She was, of course, from, uh, she lived through the war in Bosnia and was obviously very traumatized from the, the horrors of, of war. And in the storyline, her parents were actually recently found uh, dead. They were killed during the war. She, had, Their bodies were never found, but they were recently found in a mass grave and stuff. So she was kind of dealing with the trauma of that and stuff. Now, her boyfriend, Alex, is a German native, and he grew up obviously very differently. He wasn't part, you know, he never dealt with the, the horrors of war and grew up totally differently and stuff. So that's where the complexity of this story is actually really interesting because what's happening here, they of course run into the Serbs. And if you know anything about the war in Bosnia, dealing with the Serbs and shit, like they have an issue with each other. So of course, when Selma realizes that the Serbs, like she starts to fucking freak out. And the story is constructed really cool because what we're seeing, we're seeing one type of vision from her. And we're seeing another vision from him. Now, what's really going on? That's kind of a mystery, right? Because, you know, she's dealing with all this traumatic stuff that she lived through and stuff. And we're seeing that come out with these characters. And now Alex can't sympathize with Selma because, you know, he hasn't dealt with all this type of stuff. He really just can't get on her side. So we're seeing the Serbs as kind of nicer people in his in his vision. Man, dude, this this was a really interesting film. I was really into this shit, man. Acted super well. 
Um, both performances from our leads are fantastic. The serves really good. The cinematography was fantastic. Really, really intense moments. I like how it's very much, um, it's super metaphoric. There, there's there's a lot of metaphors going on here. It's very much an allegory. Like there's so much other stuff that's going on in this. Of course, dealing with the the you know the horrors of war and shit. And I like that premise, man, because they don't really give you that. You kind of have to figure it out just through the dialogue and shit. And uh, but really fantastic stuff. A lot of really creepy moments in this. Um, you know, it's got some decent gore. It's got some really kind of sad moments in it and shit like that. But I thought this one was paced fantastically. I love the fact that it's it feels like a drama, but at the same time, it's like totally a horror film. Um, I think some people would even debate if this is a horror film at all. But if you really look at the core of the story and what's really trying to be told by the director here, it's scary as fuck, man. I mean, they're dealing they're in this forest with fucking landmines and all the you know all the aftermath of the wars and shit and i absolutely love this man i don't want to really give too much away of it but i thought the moss was a fantastic film you know for what it is and shit um but uh yeah i mean i think it would apply to people that know about you know the war over there a lot more i think you would be you know get a greater appreciation for her character especially and shit like that but uh it was fantastic i think you know it might have been a little bit long at times but overall a fantastic film i'm going to come in at about an eight out of ten on this one i do recommend checking out the moss which stands translated is the mouse in german so good film though great graphic novel all right have you guys seen it yet no no oh man i think uh I think you guys would appreciate it. It's, it's a pretty interesting film. I, I just love the the structure of it, man. It's it's really cool. It's really cool. All right, um, I'll go next. So this Ooh, one twice in a row, I get to go last. This this one here, it was a Patreon pick, uh, and it's known as Incident in a Ghostland or Ghostland. Um, it's 2018 film directed by Martyrs director Pascal Lugier. Anybody know? No, we're going to just make you keep sounding like an idiot. What's the film? What's the film? Incident in a Ghost. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The Yeah. Um, You've seen this? Yes. yes. The Martyrs guy. Both of, you, both of you guys have seen this. Martyrs. Yes. Did Martyrs. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so sorry, sorry. Film... I was totally scratching my nuts and I wasn't listening. I'm not even joking. I actually was. <laughs> Did they smell right. good? I'll try to be like semi-spoiler free on this one. This would actually have been a good film for a feature review, honestly. Um, but basically, yeah, uh, yeah. A, a a mother inherits a house uh, that was, I believe, her, uh, these two girls' aunts, so her sister. Uh, they move to this house, and basically, these you're following these two sisters who one of them's like sort of like the introverted, like gonna uh be a writer one day like weirdo and the other one's not and they're basically attacked by these murderers um these intruders and then after that attack we get a scene that is in the future or so we assume or maybe it is you know i'm trying to be vague here but uh it involves the one introverted girl who is now a successful writer living this like perfect life um, and then we learn a little bit more about 
her other sister, her sister, and then see this one's really kind of a hard one to talk about. But I get where you're coming from, yeah. Um, because it, it's it's one of those films. Just, just where, explain it where, like, just explain it as if you're watching it for face value. Well, <clears throat> then we get then we get another scene where the it's kind of like back we're getting we're getting these interwoven scenes essentially mm-hmm. uh, between um the future and the past uh or so we assume or maybe it is you know what i mean so uh that let me just leave off the plot there and let me just tell you what i thought of it okay so um first of all i think that it i had to look up a little bit of stuff about this one but i think after i looked up in saw other people's sort of viewpoints of it i kind of get it now and i think that it makes more sense than i did initially i was a little bit confused while watching it um but it's it's a pretty interesting movie because it's about the you know long-term effects of abuse and how and even the short-term effects of abuse and how we handle it how some people might block it out and how some people are forced to deal with it uh, really interesting in that aspect. And when you have these sort of interwoven scenes, um, it kind of makes you think a little bit on, is there something, you know, deeper to it, uh, than what you're actually seeing. And after reading some stuff, yeah, it, it, it is, it all, it all kind of makes sense after you read it. Or did you, did you just, uh, you know, get this one off the bat moods. Yeah, I, I got it. I got it. I thought it was actually, I liked, you know, the, uh, the structure and, and what they did with the narrative and shit. <laughs> My only major problem with the movie, and this is generally not an issue for me, but man, this motherfucker was way too fucking loud and intense. <laughs> I know it sounds kind of weird, but <laughs> I, I felt like they over the, I watched this, you know, obviously on my, on my system and shit, man, this fucker was just, it was just so pounding all the time. Like I just felt like the sound and just, you know, the score and everything was just overdone in it. It was actually like draining me as I was watching the movie. I was like, holy fuck, man, this thing is just insanely loud. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you're probably screaming, turn the fucking thing down. I did. And it was still like just killing me, man. It was insane. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I hadn't seen a flick like that before where the sound was like affecting me mm-hmm. while I was watching it. I thought that was really kind of unique in itself after I thought about it, you know, but it was a little bit of a minor gripe, but I like what they did with it though. It's pretty interesting. So what did you, what did you think, Jeremy? I watched it back when it came out. So I don't really remember it to be honest. Yeah. Were you, do you remember if you were confused by it? No, I don't remember that aspect of it to be honest. I don't think yeah. I was confused like I was with that fucking one that came out with the dreams a few weeks ago that we watched. Yeah, I honestly, dude, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of confused by it, and I wasn't, I didn't really get it. I had to look up stuff after it. But to be fair, I didn't get to give it my hundred percent attention either, so that kind of hurt it a little bit. This is not a movie to wrap Christmas presents to. No, it's def- it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah. No. But yeah, I'm gonna revisit this one too because uh, I feel like I feel like there's there is a good movie there. I, I mean, I I thought it was good from 
from you know what I got out of it. But normally I don't watch a movie and not know every like not know what what the you know the twists or the reveals are. Um, I'm usually pretty damn good at picking that up. So um, I was a little d- disappointed in myself on that one, but I gave it an eight out of ten. Uh, 7.5, 8 out of 10. I was at 7.5, and then I, I read some explanations, and I came up a half point. Cool. All right. I'll be talking about a film from the year 2018, and that is Summer of 84. This was also a Patreoni pick. Oh, I sound like Horror Mafia now. Uh, Summer of 84, so... This is an interesting coming-of-age story. We follow Davey and his friends. They live in this small town, and there's these series of murders that have been going around in this town uh, against teenage boys. And one night when they're playing their cops and robbers type of game, Mr. Davey sees a teenage boy talking to his neighbor who is a police officer. And the next day... Davy wakes up and this boy is, uh, you know, reported missing and assumably is the next victim of this serial killer. And Davy knows that his neighbor was the one who murdered this boy because he saw him over there the night before. So it's basically this Davy going around with his group of friends who are all a different kind of group of characters uh, trying to prove to everybody that his police officer neighbor is really the serial killer. And the entire film is this him and his friends going around the small town, uh, planting, you know, planting things and doing whatever they can to try and prove, uh, the horrible things that this guy is doing. And that's like, I think the biggest problem that I have with this movie is they don't really like pull a twist or anything. It's like right off the bat, you know, what's going on and who the killer is and dude, wait really like that. no yeah dude, what are you talking about what man the they're, fuck? they're leaning towards that not being it. i mean that's just the angle they took yeah like seriously they they i thought all along it's that so it's so it's yeah but it's one of those moments what, where it's too obvious to be him that you know it can't be that person you know thing but that's kind of the that's kind of the shock it's Twister. one thing to say, like, my guess is that this guy's going to be the killer. But what is your evidence? I, don't know, I just think that they focus the so killer. much. They focus so much on him and everything like that. That yeah, but they I there's also be... all sorts of reveals. Like, oh, that couldn't have been the case because here's this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I don't know. I just thought it was kind of predictable that that's what who... the fuck. I don't know. It's just God. the way that I saw it. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I just. I just predicted that he was the killer all along. I mean, yeah, like I think most people are gonna think that, but I'm saying that it's like you, like, and, and, of course you're like gonna they never the only like really show you're... anybody that it's not anybody else besides. But, that, like, that's really... but that's not the what could happen in the movie though. The, it could happen that you know it's it doesn't there doesn't have to be a killer. So. How many movies have you watched where? You know, the narrative is leading towards somebody the entire time, and it turns out to be somebody else. All the time? Exactly. So why wouldn't you assume that? Yeah, like, would you would think you would follow that mold, because that's because generally what would... movies do. It, see, if you look at it like, and we just spoiled the fuck out of this, but if you look at it like, hopefully you've seen Summer 84. If you look at it like, 
okay, it, it's not about who's the killer. It's yeah. about is this guy the killer yeah. or is he not? It's it's the pursuit it's not of the investigation. It. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, it, them trying to prove it, like how kids would prove it. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the core of the story, man. Like, I, Scream, you're like, who's the killer? But in this movie, you're just like, is this an innocent man? Or is he the killer? Because the point is, like, kids are most likely going to fuck that up, right? They're kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they did a good job yeah. of misdirection in this film. Yeah. Because I was, you know, I had my suspicions, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. It could be he could be, or he might not be. I don't know. I, we'll see how it ends. I think it was fucking see, I just awesome. Have the, the reveal that it in would it. be like anybody else. Like they don't really. Yeah, but like, the, see, you're wa- it watching be it else. wrong because you're. They're not. They're not. The, you're looking at it like, okay, there has to be a killer, but that's not what the movie is. It's is this guy innocent? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you're looking at like there's going to be a reveal of the killer at the end, but it's like no, is either he didn't do it and some bad shit's going to happen about this, or he did do it. Well, I just think if we're watching a movie like this, he probably isn't innocent at this point. I mean, we've seen we've seen situations like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like I just think the writing in this movie is really well. The narrative wise, writing is really well done in this movie. Uh, the conversations with the kids, I think it, it flows pretty regularly and it's way more well written than it in the dialogue that they have in that movie. We all know my opinion on that. But you know what, man? It's still I gave you shit for that. Ironic. But I've come around to being more on your side. No. That's, Ooh. Like, that's how kids talk. Because here's why. Talk. Me and so my listen, friend Jeremy, me and Jer- Jeremy talks like that right now. And he's like, dude, this is why I love the original so much more than this one. It's like, never do the characters, like, lose track of the situation. In the new one, they're like, I'm in a fucking sewer, and it's up to my feet, and there's a killer clown. And it's like, nobody would say that. Nobody yeah, would, everybody but, would be scared. To death but right but now. you're wrong, though, because that's how Stephen King wrote it in the book. That's how the kids talk. They have filthy no, fucking... No, I just read that book. Yeah, they're a little bit more filled. The fucking they don't say the, it when they're in fucking. The TV dire version is lying. is definitely the dumbed down pl- version of it because they couldn't talk like that. No, it's not about talking. Even if they don't cuss, it's them making light of the situation. They never do that in the book or in the miniseries. They don't make light of the fact that there's a killer fucking clown about to kill them. That's just a ma- saying. That's a major issue, though. I just think. I just think. I yes. just think. I just think Davy's one friend who is the whatever the hell his name is an it kind of character Richie right that's his name what's the name of the character in it that's annoying Richie and th- Richie which again is fucking you anyway let me finish I think that his dialogue isn't as obnoxious obnoxious and annoying in this movie like Richie's is in it and I just think I just think the dialogue between the friends are so are is way more better written in this movie than that film. I don't know. I just think it's annoying in that movie. This be... was our headliner for Halloween and, and everybody who watched this movie loved it. Yeah. I just, I, I love the eighties five. I think it's, it's really well done. I mean, it's directed by the guy who did turbo kids. So, you know, you're probably going to have some kind of hmm. very uh, different. Movie. Yeah. But you know, you, but, but there's quality, so many similarities, so man. Have... The scores done by the same people. I agree um, that the that, score is that is fucking awesome. Even the beginning with them on BMXs was, you know, a big shout out to Turbo Kid and shit. 
I love that, man. It's fucking odd. There's so many things, like, in the film that were kind of similar to Turbo Kid, but... Yeah, it's good shit. You know what I fucking can't stand? Is everyone that talks about this movie always compares it to Stranger Things and like, oh, it's just like Mm -hmm. a shittier version of Stranger Things. I'm like, apparently Stranger Things is the first fucking you know, series coming or movie, of age. coming of age, like, you know, dealing with, you know, yeah. Cause when stranger things ever. came out, we were all saying like, yeah, it's very reminiscent of like stand by me and the Goonies and, uh, it, you know, all you know, the, the it and all these other films, like all these films <laughs> that came way before all these movies that we're seeing now are influenced by those. I mean, a, a lot of directors is like just like super eight, <laughs> a lot of directors, man. I mean, if you talk to, you know, the guys who did these movies here, I mean, I did probably say the Stand By Me was definitely an influence. You know, mm-hmm. it's not even a fucking horror movie. But anyway, I really enjoyed Summer of '84. I think it's it's really well written narrative wise. Uh, the camera work and everything in that department is really well done. Really captures the mid '80s kind of feel. Uh, I I really enjoy spending time with all these characters. Uh, you know his his chubby friend, of course, is everybody's or mostly everybody's favorite character, and uh, you just you just feel for what happens at the end of the movie, and um, yeah, if you haven't seen Summer of '84 yet, do yourself a favor and check it out. It's one of the better movies of the year so far, and I give it a nine out of ten. Nice, cool stuff. Yeah, it's really really damn good. I love that movie, man. Glad you liked it. Fucking yeah, it's good. The, the annoying kid in It, Richie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so moving along here. Uh, another Patreon pick coming from a man, Dave. Oh, actually, first, I want to say The Moss was a Patreon pick. I think I failed to mention that. But that oh, I don't from, even know who that was. was that was my movie. Uh, yours was Fanny Eli. Fan of Eli. Thank you, Fan of Eli. And James Coutts. Uh, gave me the moss. Uh, we can thank him for doing the uh, episode 150 thumbnail too. Thanks, James. Since we're you know talking about James right now. All right, so moving along here, uh, another film from 2018. This was actually kind of a shocker that Mr. Parker, um, aka Dave, you know, he picked this one for me because it's not a horror film. But I'm fine with that because this movie was just an absolute joy to watch. Um, it's called The Night Comes for Us. Uh, directed by, well, I don't even want to say the guy's name, but this guy has done uh, m- like really good films, man. This guy's got a great filmography, man. He did Macabre back in 2009, um, which is a fantastic, fantastic film. He did a couple, he did a short in ABC's of Death, VHS 2, he worked, he did the movie Killers, Headshot, which I haven't seen, and he did a horror movie from this year also called Made the Devil Take You, which I need to check out. Uh, this one right here has basically got the cast of The Raid in it. So if you've seen the raid, it's good. <laughs> yeah. So if you've seen the raid, you know exactly what you're getting into. This is pretty much what that is. Uh, basically, it follows the main character Ito, uh, played by um, Joe Taus- Tauslin. Townsend. Anyways, you'd recognize him. But he is part of this crew called the Six Seas. Uh, he's like an enforcer, and what happens is he's um, on this job where he has to go and massacre this whole village. And for some odd reason, he decides that he's going to spare this little girl's life. And he takes out his whole crew. Of course, by doing that now, the rest of the Six Seas crew and everybody and all their homies and shit are out to get him now. So now he just has to defend himself to survive, essentially. Um, 
So that is the plot or the, the narrative um, or synopsis. Fuck. Holy shit, man. Now, this movie right here, fucking two hours of straight insane action and carnage, man. This movie, when, okay, the homeboy Zach was saying that this movie is gorier than every horror movie put together this year. He's got a pretty legit argument, man. This one is fucking brutal. Like, it's just nonstop, amazing choreographed fighting scenes. Like, I just can't even get over the shit that these people do. And I love shit like this where these guys are not using stuntmen and shit. The fighting just seems so authentic. It's really, really crazy. I mean, it it's making the 80s action movies look like complete trash because this shit is so elevated and awesome. But, man, I tell you, it's just, you know, I'd probably say an hour and 40 minutes of this is just pure, insane upscaled fight scenes so brutal bloody fucking mad carnage just amazing shit man like i said if you're a fan of the raid films you're gonna love this movie it's absolutely fantastic um you know the story wise you know with the little girl and shit i think that's probably the weakest part of the movie i mean you're not really watching these movies for you know an elevated narrative but to be honest like it it never really comes full circle on why he just kind of dipped i mean you kind of you kind of get it that you know he's wrapped up with the 60s crew and he figures that this is probably going to be the death of him if he stays in this kind of gang life and i think that was his way out and i think that's what they were trying to get at with that it's it's kind of weak you know that he would spare somebody and, and and just you know risk the fact of everybody coming after him and stuff but i guess without that we don't get the whole fucking you know the action scenes and shit but um yeah it's absolutely fucking amazing i love this movie nine and a half out of ten there's not really a whole lot to say about it it's literally fighting the entire time there's not much to say about it but stunt wise and choreographed fighting and shit is just unbelievable like some of the deaths in this shit are so fucking brutal i'm not even going to give anything away of those but man i was just like god damn this is amazing i wanted to just like rewind it yeah because i watched it on vhs totally you know just start the movie over again and uh after i watched it you know Two hours flies by. That's amazing. Night comes for us. Check it out if you're into that shit. It's absolutely historical. Yeah, check it out. Historical? Jesus. Dude, I fucking... Man, it was so good, man. (laughs) So good. All right. uh, Next up for me is a Patreon pick from last month, but, but... We all discussed how uh, the DVD that I bought didn't have the disc in it, so I had to wait. Um, And that film is from Mr. Parka, and he gave me Bloodletting from 1997, uh, which is um, a Tempe Entertainment film. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like direct-to-video, super indie, low-budget stuff from the 90s, which I actually like. Uh, So this film follows a girl who is fascinated with killers and she ends up tracking down the world's most famous uncaught serial killer and she wants to learn his ways so she essentially becomes his apprentice and they basically start killing people together uh they eventually butt heads a little bit and they they like hook up first then they kind of bump butt heads a little bit and then they go their separate ways and they're the story kind of follows each of them through a night of them by themselves and then they kind of reconvene at the end of the movie um so this one is kind of a comedy too it's very ridiculous um 
but I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's, you know, cheesy and has that, you know, it's super low budget, but the, the, there is some like gore in it that looks okay. And the opening to this film has uh, a pretty cool, like, you know, montage of, of like gore shots are like, you know, supposed to be like dead people and stuff, which I, I like. And also, excuse me, also as it has a pretty solid soundtrack, like, I'm not sure what bands were used for this soundtrack. If it was just like local bands from the person's, you know, town or something, but it all sounds pretty damn good. And, uh, it seemed like they were able to get some professional sounding music up in this film. Um, and, uh, they have, they have a lot of it. Um, there's a lot of songs in here and, uh, I'm looking at the band, uh, credits on, um imdb and i don't know any of these bands but they don't they actually they look like they're you know bands real bands <laughs> um so yeah the, it has a sort of um you know the tone of it is 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 i would say it's more comedy honestly it's it's not played super serious there is a twist in the end um which i didn't think was you know overly great or anything the 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 fun part is watching these two you know communicate and uh the guy the guy that they casted doesn't look like he would be like you know the character he's playing i think he would might have been miscast a little bit but at the same time it, it kind of worked for comedy in a way and then uh there's like a scene where they're trying she's trying her first kill and she like stabs the girl in the stomach that he's holding behind, you know, has it holding her arms behind her back. And he's like, why would you stab her in the stomach? You never stab somebody in the stomach or something. And, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of that, like almost sort of scream era humor right there. But it's definitely not scream at all, at all in my opinion. There is a video store scene, though, which was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, it, it gets a little I would say it gets a little slow in the middle um, towards the middle end ish until they kind of reconvene when they go their separate ways. It gets a little bit slow. Um, there was a funny line. What the fuck was it? It was something like, it, it was, it was something like something about eating pussy or something. It was really funny, but he says it to like a lesbian or something. And, uh, that was that I, I can't remember the line. I should have wrote it down, but anyway, um, pretty solid little indie. I mean, like we're talking 1997 here. Is it that far off to say that this would be a possible top tenner? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we all know how great 97 is. But uh, I was just coming in at like a 6.5 out of 10. It's nothing special, but, you know, these indie movies, these, I mean, this is like a no budget film. You know, they have heart. And we've talked about that before. And and that's what I liked out of this. You know, it has some heart. It's entertaining. It's actually one that I would definitely watch again. Like, it's kind of a little bit of a, a, a little mini gem. It's not a gem gem, but, you know, like a little mini chip or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's bloodletting. Have you seen this movie? I know you probably have. Yeah, I have, actually. I don't really Did remember like it, it too. Yeah, I remember liking it. But it was yeah. decent. It's low budget, but I really don't remember much of it. Yeah. All right. Next up, going to talk about a very weird, strange, bizarre film from the Netherlands from 20... It was came out in 2017. Uh, it was actually nominated for an Oscar for Best Foreign Film last year at the Oscars. 
but it didn't get released until this year. So it is a film called November, which is not a horror film, but it is a very strange film, highly influenced by Eastern European cinema, uh, a lot of Bergman type of cinematography and narrative uh, themes going on in this film. Uh, you could compare it uh, a little bit, the cinematography, black and white cinema, to a Lynch film and some drier in there as well. Very weird, surreal type of film. It really doesn't focus too much on a narrative, but instead on these uh, different things that are going on in this village in the uh, 13th century. So it's a fairy tale kind of a narrative where... Uh, there is like a narrative where we follow Lena and Lena's like this little uh, this young girl who lives in this farm community and she has this love for another man in her community named Hans. But Hans, unfortunately, is in love with a uh, German baron's daughter who is like the overseer of all these people in this village. And the overseer is actually played by the uh, main guy from Human Centipede. So it's very weird seeing him in a, a another doctor? film yeah the doctor it's very weird i was like i know that guy and then i had to think about it and be like oh that's the doctor from human centipede but anyway uh so hans is in love with this daughter of this german baron and uh of course lena's trying to uh change his mind show you know win his heart but it's really not that important of a narrative it, it, it's broken up into all these really small surreal kind of things for an example in this world there's these things called krats and krats are basically like uh make it's stop motion entirely stop motion of like uh makeshift tools and like appliances that get animated by a person's soul who uh was sold to the devil and basically these people could go to the devil in the in the middle of the forest and they could exchange their soul whenever they die for a soul that somebody else gave to this devil to put in this crack and any, a crack could be anything, but most of the time it is, uh, uh, put into like, uh, hose, no pun intended hose and, and farm tools. So it could be used to, you know, farm and things like that. It's very confusing to describe. You just have to see it to believe it. It, it's, it. They're not a main focus of the film, but they pop up every now and then. And and it's it's very surreal. And another another section of the part, there is this day called All Souls Day. And what happens on this day is that the people who have died from the past come back. The souls come back as ghosts and they come and visit the families of the past and 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 things like that it really doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't really mean anything but it 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 it, it's all done in a very some of the greatest cinematography that i've seen in the past few years like the black and white cinematography is so fucking beautiful in this movie like it is really breathtaking like you have to watch it like I give such huge props to the cinematographer and and his crew on this movie because the way that they light and and do things like that is just absolutely unbelievable. It's a movie that you really have to see in high def because it's just absolutely amazing. And you know, the narrative really doesn't ever go anywhere, it doesn't really build a steam. It's just there in the background. I think the director's more about just making a very surreal avant-garde kind of a film and it works it really does work 
if you're into that stuff. You know, the movie isn't really for everybody, but if you like really weird films and and fairy tale narratives, then you're definitely going to really like this film. And, you know, I think you really just have to watch it mainly for the cinematography and and everything like that. It's just it's just so beautiful. It's it it really is mind blowing uh, when you watch it and you appreciate what these these you know these people are making. Uh, it, it it definitely has a higher budget. Uh, I don't know how much money they gave them to make the movie, but it has really nice costumes and everything like that. Like I said, very Bergman like in the terms of the theme of having uh, a strong female character with a religious overtone in the film uh, Bergman loved his religion and um, at least having some kind of one you know pretty strong female character in all his films so if you want to watch a really weird movie that doesn't really that you don't really have to focus on the narrative and just watch it for what it is then I think this movie really succeeds at it so I give it an eight and a half out of ten. It's not a horror film, so don't go into it watching it expecting it to be a horror film. But it's a very uh, visually pleasing kind of a film, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it for what it is. It's a film that you could watch five or six times and probably still not truly understand what the film is trying to get at. But I really do think it's worth a watch at least once to see if it's your kind of, you know, your cup of tea. But I really enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I'm not giving a rating based off its narrative, but just based off I love strange, weird, avant-garde kind of movies. So check it out if you get a chance. It's quite good. You can watch it on Prime. It's released by Oscilloscope Pictures, so you could get it on Blu-ray as well if that's your cup of tea. But um, definitely watch it in high def. It's really the only way to watch it. So check out November from... 2018 it's good so no rating at all given it in a eight and a half oh is that what you said okay yeah so it's not a horror film right no hmm. no 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 That's but there's bad. where what there's devils and werewolves and you know like i said these crats which are like weird uh animated creatures kind of things it's yeah. very like i said very fairy tale uh i think if you know more about uh, that kind of culture and their, then the mythology, I think you would probably appreciate it a little bit more. But I think us Westerners don't really know that much about it, know much about that culture. I think we lose some things watching the film, but I feel like maybe somebody from the Netherlands or that region ends up watching the film and yeah. knows more about the, the stories. I think they probably got more out of it than I did. So yeah. Actually, still, probably, still, probably quite a few ahead. films in this uh, in this show that are kind of like that. Yeah. Like the Moss is probably like that too, you know, talking about the, you know, the wars and stuff. Like when you don't really live through that shit, it's hard to, you know, yeah. fully understand. But um, yeah, I get it. I, I've got that one on a list to watch. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it on a list to watch. And it sounded really intriguing. When I when I saw that it was done in black and white, I was like, oh, I need to see this. Oh, it's beautiful, man. It's it's yeah. absolutely fucking mind dropping the cinematography in this movie. It's, it's it's some of the best I've seen. Yeah, see, recent I'm, years. I'm a visual person too, man. I always say that, so I I probably know I'm gonna like it. Yeah, right there. It's like, really good. like Bergman's work, man. I mean, you just you can't beat it, right? Nope. Um, Very inspired by him. Yeah. All right. So from one weird movie to another, <laughs> uh, from 1981, uh, Andre's... <laughs> <Jerking off. laughs> 
Zulewski's uh, possession. Um, this was another Patreon pick. Now, who gave me this one? I think it was just Aaron. Just Aaron. Aaron. That's it. There's no last name on here. So, uh, yeah, this is the film that I've seen many times over the years. And it's, you know, every time I watch it, I'm just like, man, dude, this movie is just fucking insane. But um, so basically this one follows our two main characters, Mark and Anna, uh, played by Sam Neill and Isabel Ajani. I think that's how she pronounced her name. And um, basically, they're a married couple. Uh, Mark has just come back from, you know, a secret. It's it's actually never really revealed what his true position is, his job. But you kind of gather that he's working, working for the government on some, like, very kind of under, you know, some very secretive stuff. Uh, so he comes back to Berlin to have his wife kind of in shambles a little bit. She really doesn't want to be with him anymore. And he's kind of like really shocked by this. He just doesn't understand what the fuck's up with her. And so, yeah, they decide that they're going to kind of separate and shit like that. And well, he doesn't really separate or decide. She kind of tells him that she's leaving and shit like that. So he kind of fucking blows the hell up, like just loses his mind. And they have a child together. He's probably like an eight and eight or nine year old boy. And that's kind of his main concern. He's like, you know, how can we raise this boy without, you know, parents and things like that? And uh, so at first he kind of freaks out and he says, fuck it. You know, like, if you don't want anything to do with me, I don't want anything to do with the son or you. And then, of course, he has a change of heart. And he's like, well, we can't do that kind of thing. And he decides that, you know, you know, we got to raise them together, you know, kind of. You know, you got to come by the house, see the son, blah, 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 and things like that. So anyway, so she moves out into her own type of place and shit. And that's when shit just gets really, really fucked up because... You know, before he left, apparently that she was okay, and she's been kind of acting like so bizarre and very, very strange and things like that. And of course, when she moves out, everything just kind of goes to complete shit. And I'll just leave the uh, the synopsis there. Um, my thoughts on this movie, man. This is one of those films where you look at the performances from Sam Neill and Isabel Ijani, and you wonder why these type of performances are not noted for major award shows. Like these performances are fucking so good. Have you ever seen this movie, Jeremy? You ever seen possession? No, but I have it. <laughs> oh, you should watch it, man. You, you want to see some of the most intense. Why perform- didn't you ask me? Because you haven't said anything for a good no, 20 minutes. I think you have said you have seen this one though. Haven't you? Yes. Yeah. So, I'm, yeah, this is a, you would love this movie, Jeremy. Yeah, like I mean, dude, this the narrative in this movie is so it's very allegoric. It's so metaphorical. Like the one of the opening shots in the movie, which is something I never caught before and until I watched it a couple times ago, but it's it's actually really interesting, man. There's a shot of the Berlin Wall and it kind of keeps going back to it over and over again, which is really interesting, which is obviously a metaphor for their marriage crumbling kind of thing, right? I think that's really cool. But it's essentially what it is, man. You know, these two people have the most intense fucking fights. And I understand understand where people are coming from when they're watching this movie because it does kind of feel more like a drama slash horror. It has horror elements to it, but it's like a straight up kind of drama. But man, the interactions and the dialogue and the performances in this movie are so heightened and elevated that it just kind of sucks you right into, you know, what Zalewski was trying to get at with what he was telling. 
I read somewhere that, you know, he made this movie when he was going through a divorce himself. And this is kind of like his inner thoughts. And, and this is kind of what came out of his own personal divorce and shit like that. Uh, it does have some really interesting, uh, almost like monster kind of things that are going on. It's very metaphorical in what's going on. I think it's actually pretty blatantly obvious what's going on in the film. But people kind of interpret the film a lot differently. And they just kind of, oh, yeah, it kind of goes into this direction and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I think it's pretty straightforward on what's going on. You know, it's dealing with the these peoples and, you know, they're, they're basically their psychological their you know the psychologicalness of you know the characters and shit and it's it's really fucking cool how he tells this story and how he throws in these type of mixes into it and shit like i mean this is a very creative film to do this because you could tell this story you know plain as day you could really just tell the story plain as day but saluski he ultimately told this from a perspective where you really kind of got to go, holy shit, man, what the hell am I watching? Because this it's one of those type of films where scene to scene in this movie, you're going like, where the fuck is this thing going? Where is this thing going? It's also that film where you probably take something new from it every time you watch it. I love movies like this, man. I could watch it over and over again. I think it does run a tad bit long. I know the very first American cut that people saw this, it was cut to shit like like 40 or 45 minutes was cut out of this movie. I'd actually like to see that version just to see what they cut out and how they, how they told the story in that time. Cause I mean, it does run a little bit long. It gets very kind of lynchy with the doppelganger kind of stuff in the end of it. But man, I tell you the cinematography in this movie is fucking outrageously good. The performances are so damn good. The metaphors, the allegoric, you know, just whole persona of this film is just unbelievably done. I think it's honestly like one of the best, you know, kind of horror films ever made in, in you know, speaking wise. I think I really think it is. It's just unbelievable, man. But um, it's not one of your favorites. It's not one of my like pers- I It's one of those. Not one of his 50 favorites. I couldn't watch this movie over and over again because it's just so intense and, and powerful. Oh, I you love know? those kind and of movies. Long. <laughs> and, 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 and it is long, you know. I mean, I per se, I don't have fun with watching a movie like this. It's not to say I don't love it. It's not a fun movie. It's a very intense story about these two people and their their issues and things. And man, dude, but it's so fucking good. Um, nine out of ten. It's got a fantastic score. Actually, the music in this movie is really brilliant too, man. This is another thing that's just really great. But I have to say though, the cinematography and the way he utilizes the camera. Like there's scenes in this film where they're fighting, they're arguing full fucking board just like full board and the camera's panning around this huge ass berlin apartment you know and it's just one long ass scene and shit i love films that can showcase that type of thing because it's hard to do you know you got to give it up to the actors you know all the lines just all the intensity and shit like that sam neill's on record saying this is his favorite movie they ever did and you know it you know if you look at the i actually was just looking at the um you know some of the uh, trivia on this and it says that Isabel Aja, or however you pronounce her name, she's, it said it took years for her to get over this movie because it fucked her up so bad, which is, you know, insane. And that's you know, just goes to show how intense his writing actually was and how deep these people actually got into these characters. But it's a true sign of a real artist, man, that you can fuck people's personal lives up from, you know, telling your story kind of thing. It's really insane, man. Um, it does have some really, really cool fucking uh, effects in it kind of creature effects and shit. I think they're really awesome, but man, really powerful storytelling. Nine out of 10. 
Possession, it's a fantastic film. If you've never seen it, give it a shot. You might have to watch it more than once to fully appreciate um, the metaphors that are being presented to you in this. But even if you don't get it, at least you get something visual. So it's an amazing film. It really is. You don't say. Jeremy, you have, <clears throat> you have to you have to check this out. I I, might, I have the Region 2 Blu-ray. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised. Somebody never give seen. him this film for Patreon. Yeah, it's fucking interesting it's really interesting i think you take a lot out of this man yeah for some reason i thought you reviewed this on the show but you didn't i think you just talked a lot about that box set when it came out are you talking about me or moods it's oh yeah the mondo yeah that mondo sets on it's just kind of unreal (laughs) all right so uh continuing along here uh this film i just picked one at random um that i reviewed recent or that i watched recently and this film is titled piwacket piwacket Mm. Mm. from 2017 festivals 2018 full release wide release uh directed by adam mcdonald and this film let me see let me see if I know. Did Adam McDonald? He did back. I knew he did something. I said Backcountry. He's the director of Backcountry, which was pretty good. It was. It was. I think a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. With the grizzly um, bear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this film follows a, a teenage girl, uh, I think named Lee, and she is kind of a you know shy girl who's you know kind of uh, like gothy or you know, into weird shit. It might not be the most popular thing. She has a bunch of friends, you know, side of the head shaved, you know, black lipstick, stuff like that. And she lives with her single mother. Who's, uh, you know, I believe a widow now, uh, the, the father had died and she, you know, just goes to school and stuff like that. And then the mother basically says, Hey, I can't take this house anymore. It's reminding me of your father. We're moving. But I'll let you finish out the school year. Uh, and then consistently there on the mother and daughter butt heads. The daughter is also into books on witchcraft and black magic and things like that. Uh, so after after one night of uh, a huge argument, uh, the mother basically says, uh, you know, all you do is hang out with your loser friends or something. And she's like, don't call them that. And then she's all like, you're becoming a loser too, damn it. And then the girl's like, ah, I'm so heartbroken. And my mother called me a loser. So she goes out to the woods with her, uh, witchcraft book. And she decides to, with a lock of her mother's hair, decides to do some sort of seance ritual type shit and conjure up the old pie wacket, which apparently is going to come and kill her mom. Uh, after she does that, she's like, oh shit, I should pump the brakes on killing my mom because that's probably not the best idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and she tries to stop it and I'll leave the story off there. So, um, I made it sound a little bit ridiculous, but honestly, it's, it's a great movie. I I really like this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I was into it from, from the get go. I like witchcrafty shit anyway. And I thought the performances were good. I really like the mother. Um, I knew I seen her from something. She was in The Walking Dead. Uh, I yeah. only seen the first two seasons, but she played one of my one of the characters I liked on that show. Who, Lori? Yeah, Lori. Yeah, yeah. She's she's pretty hot too for you know whatever age she is. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so this this movie um, actually gets kind of creepy 
towards the end it's like oh shit the, this is kind of scary and i actually really like the ending i thought the ending was fantastic and i recommend if you haven't seen this to definitely check it out because it probably is a contender for 2018 top 10 uh for a lot of people i don't know if it'll make my list but i did really enjoy it um and i give it a eight out of ten yeah it's another good ifc film it was an IFC film. Jeremy, did you see this yet? Nope. No. The guy who owns every. I've watched like forty-five films. I've watched a lot this year. Yeah, it's Are definitely watch this one? it's definitely worth watching. I enjoyed it too, man. I don't know. I think there might be more bigger films I still have to watch. I mean, this is a pretty good one. I would recommend checking it out for a long time uh, of the year. It was sitting in my top ten. Yeah, it's a film that I had seen make a ton of lists already. Yeah, I've, I saw it about four or five times on lists. But it was yeah. it was funny. It was like every top ten list I clicked on was a top 20 or 25. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what the fuck? Top 10 of 18, and it just kept going and going. What is this, exploding heads? I know. It's <laughs> fucking strange, man. But... Oh, they only have 18. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Piwak, it's good stuff, man. I, I, I really like the mythology and the lore behind it. Apparently, a pie wacket is real, like, lore. Yep. That's that's yep. an actual thing. Yeah, it's, it's another one of those crazy. IFC films I need to pick up. They've been releasing I, a lot I of good the, stuff last couple of years, man. A lot of I think the, the ending was really strong on this one, though. That's I, I, I really like the ending yeah, for this. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Nice fart, even though I know it's your chair. I will talk about... I should probably oil this thing, huh? Oh, is that you or Moods? That's my chair. Oh, I thought that was Moods. <laughs> no, it wasn't mine. Okay, I'll talk about uh, The Possession of Hannah Grace from 2018, released <laughs> by Sony. I forgot that the you The one saw that this. made me the champion of 2018. <laughs> okay, fucking see, Are we going to have to hear about this for the first quarter of 19? Probably the first half. <laughs> <laughs> fucking guy. Jesus. All right. Jimmy. I won two Blu-rays just to have you know. Oh my god, here we go. Where are you so, at in the, where are you at in the NFL pool right now, man? Blast probably. Yeah. <laughs> I was tied for third going in today, but I oh, shit the bed. Damn. Yeah. Anyway, the possession of Hannah Grace. So I've seen nothing but ones and twos on this movie. I don't understand. I don't understand all the hate for it. It's not like an amazing fucking movie, but I think it's well made enough and it has a really awesome setting that I think that it it holds together. I don't think it's as good as um, what was that film that came out last year or the year before that takes place in the morgue? Um, the Corpse of Anna Fritz? No. Uh, the Jack Jane Doe? Yeah. I don't think it's as good as that film. Nowhere near as good as that film, but I still think it's not as shitty as people have been talking about. So we follow Megan. Megan is an ex-police officer. Uh, a tragic event happens in her life on the job, and she quits the force, and she gets a job in the morgue at a hospital during the night shift. One day, a body comes in, and uh, it's of a girl, and she's all mangled and beat up and, and cut up and everything like that. And it ends up being Hannah Grace, who uh, was supposedly killed during an exorcist, exorcism, but uh, she wasn't completely killed off, and they sent her ass to the morgue, and now 
Um, she is able to rejuviate herself by killing off people who end up coming down into this morgue. And the setting is really the high spot of the film for sure. It's very creepy and very contained feeling in this basement of this morgue. And uh, I think we knew going into this film that that's probably was going to be the biggest uh, positive of the movie was its setting. And I think uh, Shay Mitchell, who's in, I think, Pretty Little Liars or something, uh, does a good job as the lead. Um, I think she is really solid and uh she doesn't steer away from uh horrible acting or anything like that you know she does a pretty good job uh the weakest part of the movie is the ending for sure it is complete and utter dog shit garbage complete and utter asshole asshole to an asshole um and it's good point though oh it's it's awful it's really (laughs) it's it's really really bad and um, the yeah. CGI is pretty sh- not good as well. It's basically all CGI. There's some practical oh, stuff going really on, but uh, it's 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 pretty bad CGI. But I I kind of enjoyed it to be completely honest. I didn't think it was as horrible as everybody s- said it was. You know, it's a low budget kind of uh, horror film, and I feel like the possession genre is one of my least favorites up there with zombie films. But the morgue genre is awesome. But I think that <laughs> the film really doesn't focus so much on the, you know, the possession and things like that. It's more about uh, survival in this morgue and things like that. It doesn't really completely play the exorcist themes to and the, you know, possession kind of themes to its full. But, you know, I liked it for what it was. I gave it a six for what it is. You know, I don't think it's like as horrible as everybody says it is it's short it's like 80 minutes long it's not that long and uh you know i liked it for what it was so i mean don't run out and watch it but i don't think you're gonna have like a horrible time if you watch it even though it seems like everybody else did but you know i liked it for what it was hmm wow i'm really shocked that you actually liked that movie yeah it wasn't too bad just knowing how much you don't like possession films and shit well, like I said, it doesn't really focus on that too much. You know, there's not like, your mother sucks cock in hell, like that kind of stuff. You know, it's mostly <laughs> a survival kind of film. I, I thought it looked interesting because of the morgue aspect. Because that m- movie you mentioned, Autopsy of Jane Doe, I really liked. In fact, it actually made my top 10 of uh, 2016, I believe. And then um, The Corpse of Anna Fritz, which I didn't get to see in time for a list that year i really like that one too it was good which yeah. was set in a morgue yeah so i was like oh this looks kind of cool yeah it was good it's r rated even though it probably could have been pg-13 to be honest but hmm. it was good i think most people who are like horror fans and that i trust have said that it wasn't bad yeah it wasn't bad okay moving along here uh Next up is another Patreon pick. This one is coming from Johnny. Apparently, we don't have last names anymore. Pentagrass. Or so whatever. Okay. Yeah. So, Johnny, he sent over, well, a request for me to review a film from 2018 called You Might Be the Killer, directed by Brett Simmons. Now, we've actually reviewed a couple of his movies on this podcast, I think in main reviews, to be honest. Really? 
Uh, yeah, he was responsible for direct or for doing the monkey's paw, which we did. Okay, and we also did Animal. Wow, those were two. I believe they weren't IFC. They were. They were chiller. They, they were, were chill. They were chiller releases. But yeah, I, I I don't think any of us cared for the monkey's paw that much. Animal was okay. I think we might. Then I've never seen it. The <laughs> you one... didn't watch Animal. What the fuck? What did you not watch both of those? I watched Animal, not Monkey Paw. Because I always remember Animal, you were talking about the black guy, and I was like, what black guy? And then, and it's a funny moment. I know Luis clipped it once for a wow, best of. crazy thing. to remember that. But the guy was Latino, and you were ca- saying he was black, and we're like, what yeah, the fuck right. are you talking about? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and that's what made me think you didn't even watch it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, Animal wasn't actually that bad for Scythe, whatever, Chiller Scythe, whatever the fuck it was. But he also did a movie in 2011 called Husk that actually was a good movie. And Cut I believe, the Scarecrow one? Yeah, I believe yeah. that we did talk about that when we did Monkey Spawn Animal and stuff because those movies were definitely disappointing compared to Husk. But uh, come 2018, he is doing a meta film called You Might Be a Kill, You Might Be the Killer. Um,. Yeah, so basically this one is about Sam, our lead character here. He's back at his old stomping grounds as a camp counselor. And everything's going all good until his camp counselors start getting picked off one by one. Of course, he has no idea what to do, so he calls up his friend Chuck, played by Allison Hannigan, of course, from American Pie fame. She's the one that likes to put instruments in her pussy, if you need, if you need a visual there. Uh of course, flutes in particular. Yeah, flutes. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, he calls her because she's like a horror expert. She's a horror nerd. She works in this uh, rental spot, uh, whatever it is that's got comics and video game, whatever. So anyways, the movie kind of starts out where it's kind of like halfway in the middle. And through conversation, you know, he's trying to figure out, he's like, you know, you know all the rules to this shit. Like, I need to survive, blah, blah, blah. And through a little bit of dialogue and stuff, they come to the conclusion that he might actually be the one doing all the killing. (laughs) So, because he explains that he's having these weird blackouts and he's not remembering anything and shit like that. And I'll just leave the synopsis there. So my thoughts on the film. Yeah, it's a straight up meta film that actually works on all levels. It's really fucking fun, man. I had a blast I'm, with this I'm movie. I'm glad you liked it. Cause I really liked it too. <laughs> I love the structure. Cause this one kind of picks up in the middle and then it kind of goes back to the beginning and it has like the kill count, like the dead counselors and shit on the screen. <laughs> and I really like how they did that too, because it really kind of, it pushes the narrative. Like, so it's just so it's paced so well by doing it. Like I that. like the structure of it too. With yeah. Him talking to, uh, Alice, Hannigan or whatever her name is from, um, how I met your mother. Yeah. And I, I thought, I thought she was a great character, man. She was super fun and funny and likable. Yeah. Her character came off really natural. I was quite surprised to see how well she played that type of character. Like, it's funny. Cause <laughs> I just, I like how everything, like when things are happening and shit and she's just not getting that excited about things. Cause she knows how things are going to go. <laughs> I, I just I love that about her character, you know. It's especially in the end. I won't give that away, but I just, it, it just kind of cracked me up, like how it goes goes down and shit. But I really enjoyed it, though, man. I mean, it's basically you know taking all the slasher tropes and kind of throwing everything into there. We all know who meta is and shit. And... Yeah, but you know what? It does differently too, though. Mm-hmm. It adds a unique spin with the the one item, if you will. Yes. That, 
Yeah, and I was like, you know, it reminds you of another movie, a comedy, but it mm. it's it, it's kind of a cool little twist to it and actually adds like its unique mythology to in not like if it was just something else, you know, it would be kind of a little bit generic. And we get the sense that this is obviously more like Jason than anybody else. But I thought mm. that it was cool that they focused on that MacGuffin type thing that I, th- I think it was really there's a lot of really good writing in this movie too you know obviously with the dialogue and you know how things are kind of going down this but how they incorporated that object you know yeah and like how it was found like in you know the story like all the type of things i thought that was all executed really well yeah it, was really, it, it took it a step up it if did. it didn't have that the movie wouldn't have been as good yeah i mean you know n- it's not a gripe of mine, but it's it's pretty obvious what's going to happen in you know towards the end of the film with our final girl and our killer and things like that. I, I mean that was kind of obvious, but it didn't really matter to me. It didn't take anything away from it. I thought it was actually kind of cool. Um, but yeah, man, I, I personally loved the, the killer's mask in this though. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it was like cool looking, man. It was just awesome, and to my surprise, the movie. You know, all practical effects, and it was pretty fucking gory. Like, there was a lot of scenes where body parts were flying around, and people were getting hacked up pretty good and shit, and, you know, it it wasn't, like, it wasn't overly silly either. It was still doing a good job of telling the narrative and how it wanted to be without being, like, really super fucking comedic and goofy and shit. It was obviously still funny and shit, but, you know, I I really liked that approach to the film. It was pretty good. It was way better than, what's Brandon's number one horror film or slasher film? the hell's that thing uh, called? final final girls, girls. <laughs> it just it totally escaped me there for a second but if you want to see a good version of final girls man come check out this one not that pg-13 pc shit yeah but, you know what man shutter has been killing it this year with a lot of fun good mm-hmm. releases this was this was another great one I, I have to admit man i mean you know terrifier was on there or yeah no terrified i mean uh you might be there was a lot of really good films dead shack yeah, man, dead shit. Like, lots of good ones, man. But that other one with the kids, <laughs> Summer of '84. No, the uh, the Don't Grow Old is that the name of it? Oh, yeah, don't... no, that one. That one wasn't good though. <laughs> don't grow, don't grow old. But, definitely but was Summer not. Summer of '84 was good. Summer of '84. Don't Mandy. grow old. Yeah. But Mandy's not really a. I mean, it's a Shutter stream, exclusive. Streaming wise. Yeah, but that's what I mean. The, the Shutter only does like two originals a year. I was mm-hmm. just saying. With the releases, the the programming that they're doing is fucking great, man. Yeah, they're putting a lot of really good stuff on there and big ups to Shutter. But uh, yeah, man, if you're into these type of meta films and, you know. I think Revenge was Shutter too, right? Sh- yep, Shutter. Yep. So was Downrange. Yeah, I was a little bit indifferent on that one. Yeah, I came down heavily. Yeah, I was. <laughs> on that one. Yeah. I think I ended up at like 6, 6.5-ish. <laughs> yeah. But at a certain point, I was at like an eight. So that movie really kind of tuckered out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I honestly really enjoyed this, the shit out of this film, man. So I'm, I'm coming yeah, I in. I gave at, it an eight. I have the same rating, eight out of ten. I believe it's on my letterbox. So um, yeah, just a really fun fucking movie. I actually, you know, the, the fucking f- weird thing is about this movie is I watched it a couple weeks back before I knew what my Patreon picks were for the month. I saw that. And then I got it, and I was like, oh, shit, I just watched the movie, and then, I, and then we weren't doing the show till now. So I actually rewatched it again last night. Did you it, really? Yeah, I did, and it was, like, super fun. 
obviously I didn't log it onto my letterbox, but I don't know how you fuckers watch movies wait, again. Wait, wait, wait. Why, why didn't you log it? Well, I didn't log it twice. So why? I, mean, I don't know. I just didn't do it. I just, I don't know. It, I, it, it, why? That tells you how many movies you watched. I guess. But I, like, I logged on there for two weeks ago, but I just didn't do it again. But anyways, it's fun. You might be the killer. Good shit, man. I enjoyed it. And, oh, actually, yeah, that's it for what we watched. Uh, we're kind of out of a little bit of order tonight. But all good. We're out of here. Yo, ho, ho, Santa's in town. Pump it up. Yeah, that's right. And now, our feature presentation. All righty, getting into the featured reviews here on episode 151, the Christmas special volume, I don't know, eight, maybe, 12, I don't know. Christmas show. It's our sixth annual Christmas show. But our eighth volume listener's choice show. It's so confusing. So what are you going to make on the thumbnail? It'll say listener's choice volume eight Christmas 2018 edition. Oh, so long. So long. Okay. First up here, man. Film from 1980 directed by David Hess. It's called To All a Good Night. I watch these completely fucking out of order. I watch Don't Open Till Christmas first, then Saint, then this. Oh, I watch Don't Open Till Christmas first, too. I think this is actually David Hess's only direct credit, directorial credit. Oh, no. Yeah. Full-length feature, anyways. It's just so random that he only ever did one film. I always thought that mm-hmm. was very in- intriguing because, you know, I mean, you know, it's funny. David Hess actually didn't have a lot of acting credits. either. He's just really well known for some of the films that he did. But if you look at his filmography, he doesn't actually have a lot of acting credits. Pretty interesting. But in 1980, he decided, I don't know what made him decide to direct a slasher film. I guess it was because that was the new craze. Uh, this one came on early 1980. It was filmed in 1979. Um which is kind which of, is kind of surprising to me, considering how reminiscent of Friday the Thirteenth it is. Yeah, I mean the core story here is dealing with the very similar theme. Uh, I I know that's one thing that's always been kind of debated. You know, this one actually was released before Friday the Thirteenth, but it does deal with that. I don't know, mommy. Um, a lot of people have said you know this movie ripped off Friday the Thirteenth, but. I mean, it's just hard to it's hard to challenge the release dates and when this one was filmed and shit. So I don't know. I guess you'd be the, the Fr- judge. Friday Thirteenth came out in eighty, right? Yeah. yeah, it came out the same year, but this one was obviously first. It was January thirtieth, but it was filmed, you know, in the summer of whatever seventy nine or something like that. So, 79. but yeah, the narratives are very similar. You know, the core stories are very similar, but I don't know. Uh, synopsis here well I mean it's dealing with you know the loss of some uh, a group of teenagers at a party find themselves stalked being stalked by a maniacal maniacal killer in a Santa Claus costume of course Um, Eh. yeah yeah, I mean the honestly dude I think this movie is a little bit underrated in the simple fact that when it came out 
you know, it's one of those films that kind of developed a it lot. It feels of it. so slashery for the slasher genre not really fully existing yet. But that's what I'm saying. This movie really helped the slasher tropes. But I'm not watching it because of that. What are you watching it because? What do you mean? I mean, I'm just looking at it for face value for what it is, not what it did. We're not saying it influenced everything we're well, just saying that but you need to you it was you kind need, of a, a little bit more original than that's what i'm saying like, if you look at it out, sure if this movie was made five years ago you'd be just like oh yeah you know it's very you know it's just kind of run-of-the-mill kind but of it's thing. not like it's like a good slasher or anything but you have to realize when it was made, i mean it, i'd say it's a good slasher See, i just, i don't think, think it's, it's that okay. what 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 don't you think is good about it it seems very tropey and slasher and, and obvious it's very tropey but I mean, I you know, have I just to re- think, like I think I think the kill with the guy in the suit of armor was probably the coolest part of the movie. To be honest, I was like, that's actually pretty cool. I actually like that part of the movie, and and you know, I think that Dave has tries to make a, a sleazy movie, but it ends up not being a sleazy movie whatsoever. I just feel like I don't know. I just think a film like Sorority House on Sorority Row I liked a lot more than this movie for some reason. Even though they have pretty similar settings, I don't think he was trying to make an overly sleazy film. I think it's just, it's just what you do when you have a bunch of girls I, I at a fucking all girls school. Expect it to be sleazy because it's David Hess. Mm-hmm. No, I just you have all these girls and they you, they they tease around the entire movie and you barely see anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I don't think that he was trying to purposely make an ultra sleazy movie. I mean, it's just the setup, right? You got girls. I mean. An all-girls school, and they're all heteros, so they're a little bit fucking horny. You know, sure. it's it's what's going to happen, really. I mean, but I don't know. I just I just find this movie kind of intriguing for its time, considering you know, given the story and how a lot of the slasher tropes and stuff weren't in full effect when this was made. This was I always feel like this was one of those films that kind of that people don't talk about that was being ripped off, but I think a lot of people may have seen this back in the day. And just kind of kind of took from it a little bit. I don't just because it's such an early entry, you know, nineteen eighty. What the fuck's up with the plane? What do you mean? Like, why do they need a plane to get there? Well, they didn't probably need one. It's his buddy was rich, he just decided to oh. fly him in. Just how big is your cock? Th- I, th- I thought they were like secluded or something. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think well, they so. They do have to go to the woods through the woods to get to wherever the the runway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the school is out there, but I mean, they probably... Did you notice during that scene it was supposed to be nighttime, but it was fucking day outside? I don't think I did. It's weird if you, like, rewatch it. Like, they were supposed to come in at night, but it's like... I don't know if they couldn't get the lighting right or something, but it's clearly fucking, like, almost dawn at the shot that they're shooting at. I don't know. I found it funny. Yeah, maybe maybe they Dude, intended to shoot it earlier in the morning and the sun thing. came up. <laughs> Early on, we see the house mother give this girl some sleeping pills and warm milk. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck drinks warm milk? Dude, I always wondered the same thing. That shit makes me gag. <laughs> That's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Oh, I'll just fix you up some warm I milk. I hate when mm, they say yummy. In movies like yummy, like gonna fix you up some warm milk, hon. You'll feel right better. I'll be like, no, I won't. I'll be in a fucking bathroom puking up milk. Warm milk. It's disgusting, man. I think mm. I want to say that I heard another podcast bring that up before, but I don't remember. It's yeah. weird. Well, may- maybe she obviously didn't like warm milk either, because you know I don't think she was really drinking on that too much, but. <laughs> 
well, clearly way to ruin the movie. So, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's still a good night, man. It's not. It's actually not fully ruining it, though. I guess so. But the movie doesn't have good kills, to be honest. It's got. I know it's not a slasher or anything like that. I know it's early slasher tropes. Just doesn't have good kills, to be honest with you. Like I said, the the night the night in the armor was probably the coolest kill of the movie i don't think the kills are that bad in this though i can't remember a single one of them i mean there's there's a decent axe in the head i always thought it was strange in this film that the killer was like taking the time to you know bury the bodies and shit (laughs) i always don't see that too often no you don't and that's something and again going back to the time that this was made it's just so weird but that i guess potential trope never really took (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like burying bodies. I don't know. That just seems very odd to me. But usually they just pop up in the final act, hanging. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In this one, they make him no. Well, they do sometimes burying the body. <laughs> it's gonna. Be- Chucky buried that body. It was. Uh, you got the head of the bitch. You got the head of the bitch in the shower scene. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. There's the axe in the head. There's the. Yeah. I do like the whatever you want to call it. The. The armor, the crossbow kill. That was pretty cool. That one's actually kind of nasty. She gets it and then fucking she gets decapitated. That's pretty good. That's a decent one. I don't know. I just always heard people talk so highly of it that I think I was expecting more than what I got. It doesn't have the most Christmas atmosphere either. No, it's because it's like there's no snow. I always find a lot of these movies that don't have the snow doesn't really doesn't really mm-hmm. resonate that atmosphere, that Chris- Christmas atmosphere at all. Yeah, no. He's so, not really in a suit for that long. I mean, a little it bit. It takes away from it a little bit. But, um, you know, I know it, I know it's like a total stretch and shit like that. But um, it's, it's kind of funny that there's a character in this film named Ralph. You know, I, I, you know it's, I don't want to say that Sean is Cunningham. Fucking stole my that, best friend stole that you know crazy Ralph character from the movie, but he's kind of playing the same thing. You know, he's uh-huh. playing the exact same type character, and he just I just love how he's like he's trying to say that he's the killer, but I, never in my mind did it ever enter my mind that he would be the killer. No, it's 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 one of those cases where it's just fucking way too obvious. You know, I know the red hearings. It's like ridiculous, but yeah, but I just found it kind of odd that his name is Ralph. And he's doing the exact same thing as Crazy Ralph in Friday the 13th. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Isn't it kind of funny, JP? <laughs> I mean, you you want to assume that both of these films were being filmed around the same time. I would say. I would assume. I, don't th- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think that either of them stole from each other. But I guess you never know. You, you, I mean, I don't know when they started filming Friday the 13th, honestly. I mean, the narrative, I mean, it, it's pretty basic. I mean, if you're going to come up with a plot, you know, just it's most slasher films are revenge tales, right? It's always somebody that had lost somebody or some shit like that or some had something bad happen to them and they come back and kill. It's, you know, it's a slasher trope, essentially. Um, but the Ralph thing, though, is it's a little bit strange to me. It almost seems it's just weird to me. I don't know. Yeah. 
it's the same fucking name playing the same type of character. It's really weird. Yeah. You know, I always wondered that, you know, because it seems like even it even happens today. You know, a movie will come out and there'll be another movie that comes out and it's very similar. You know, like Cloth Hitch Killer in Summer of 84. Yeah, shit like that. <laughs> shit like that. You know, these type of movies, they come out and another I, I one. I always comes, think about. It's like a clone um, film or something, but I don't know. I always, I always think about the. Uh, Jawas and Star Wars and the the little dudes in Phantasm. Yeah, I was thinking that too when we were watching it the other day. Yep. Yeah, because I want to say that because Phantasm was filmed over like a long period of time, so technically Star Wars came out, but I think Phantasm was being filmed before Star Wars Star Wars came out. But you know, Coscarelli might not have had the idea for those little fucking those little creatures. Mm-hmm. Until after he's seen Star Wars, who knows? Uh uh-uh. uh. He says that he says that they were already filmed when the film came out. They talk about that in the uh behind the scenes, I remember that from back in the day when I watched the Anchor Bay. Yeah, probably watched it too, I just can't remember. But yeah, yeah, well that's interesting. Yeah. Could you imagine? Fucking Lucas they stole from him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I would love if that was oh, the case. Shit. That's amazing. Yeah, but yeah, um, it's not much to say with this one, to be honest. I mean, it's you know, I mean, like I said, if you look at this film, you know, if you're just kind of watching the film, it, it does. It seems very, very generic and stuff. But I think if you look at the time this came out, it's actually quite original, oddly enough, because there wasn't a lot of films that were doing this type of thing. Which I do give a little bit of credit for to David Hess. I mean, he didn't especially exactly... the uh, killer, exactly. Exactly. I mean, fuck, dude. I actually seen, oh, I don't know. Was it even recently someone saying that, you know, um, something about Silent Night, Deadly Night, or this movie ripped off Silent And I was like, man, you really got to get your fucking dates correct. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't uh-huh. even make sense at all because Silent Night, Deadly Night came out in 84, you know, and this one's like 1980. Four years. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense, people. But, but that, I think that's the way a lot of slasher films are kind of perceived. You know, they're just constantly ripping off each other, and people aren't kind of looking at dates and shit. But again, you know, it's it's quite interesting some of the things that are happening in this plot wise or narrative wise, character wise, that is kind of related to Friday the Thirteenth. My, my a little favorite bit. thing ever like that moves was mm-hmm. I was listening to this podcast. I hated these guys, but I always listened to them for some reason. They were polarizing. <laughs> But they were complaining about fr- – they were younger. Like I was younger when I was listening to them, but they were I think even like a year or two younger than me. Mm-hmm. And they kept complaining that they were reviewing Fright Night. So a lot of these films that were first-time views for them, like – and they were con- – they kept bringing up the same point that it's just – it's it's too much like Disturbia. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> mother – like in my head I'm just like – what. I'm like, Disturbia is, like, new. <laughs> you mean Disturbia is too much like Fright Night. And Disturbia is too much like Rear Window. Yeah, and re- yeah, exactly. Disturbia is, dis- a re- is a remake of Rear Window. No shit, Sherlock. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh. you know, fucking people, man. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that's ridiculous. Always, always remembering them guys talk. They don't podcast anymore, but they were a really successful podcast for a while. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, <laughs> but I guess I listened to him. So anyway, yeah. You know, another thing about this movie that's, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of in the same realm as like, a, um, 
I don't know, man. But the characters in this film are How does all, the nerdy guy get the hottest girl. I don't understand. All kind of likable. Like no one's like a real fuck. They don't have see at this point, like the real cliche characters hadn't really been fully developed. You know, like every slasher film always has. Like, it, they're they're kind of present here. You know, you got like the rich chachi guy. You got you know the slutty the you know the dorky dude and shit. There's those characters are there, but to some extent, they're all still kind of likable in the film. Mm-hmm. You know, they're everyone's kind of likable. It's it's really strange. You just don't see a lot of slasher films like this. I always. You know, kind of relate this to like my bloody Valentine, where I always say like pretty much every character is super likable in the film. You See, always feel I, shitty when you're dying. I didn't find any of the characters any like anything really. Yeah, but even though they might not be super, you know, memorable or even fully like, I mean, they're not they're not that shithead characters either. You know what I I'm like saying? I like the shithead characters. See, I d- yeah, because you're a shithead. That probably. But makes nobody. Sense. But even though you know they're not that likable, I mean, they're not dislikable. You know, not to the point yeah, like, oh, fuck just that, fuck that guy. Yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of generic. You know, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, like, all the girls are kind of, yeah, it is what it is. The chick that was wearing the red shit is pretty hot, though. I think the chick who was with the nerdy, not the blonde, the one that was with them before, the one that gave him a hand job. she was the best looking one out of the bunch. Yeah, yeah. She had the nicest tits, too, and you never saw them, which pissed me off. A hand jigger. A hand, hand. jigger. <laughs> that's awesome you know another weird thing about this movie when they sit down to eat and the one girl is getting up she's like oh can you grab me some perfume like who the fuck needs perfume while they're eating dinner (laughs) who this says can you grab who the hell says can you grab me some perfume?" which one the chanel yeah she's like yeah which one the chanel is like what expensive one i understand the guys are showing up eventually but like you're still eating dinner I don't know. I yeah. just thought that was funny. Don't spray time. perfume around me if I'm eating. <laughs> exactly. Mike. I was going to say that. Like, who wants to be eating their cherry pie with fucking Chanel float in the air? <laughs> Fuck that shit, man. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I don't know, man. I honestly, you know, when Scorpion put out this Blu-ray, it was like watching a brand new movie to me. Because I had this bootleg DVD of this, and it was like probably a third or fourth gen DVD or VHS rip, burnt onto a fucking disc. It was just horrible transfer. So when this thing got re-released or released, I should say, man, it was like watching it for it was like watching the movie for the first time. It's just absolutely amazing. Another one of those cases where it kind of changed my opinion because I was never really a big fan of this movie. I mean, I'm not a big fan of it now. I, I think it's all right. It's just. There's not, not much I, to it. I don't think it's bad at all. I don't think it's I don't think it's a top shelf slasher film at all. But I don't think there's anything terribly I bad mean, about it. I think it's it a either. good slasher. It's just not like, anything special. Like the kills are a lot better than I clearly remembered. You know, I, I, I you know, I think I miss half that shit in the other shitty ass events right To me, the, to me, the best part is the final part. Like the reveal and stuff. The reveal, yeah, exactly. It's good. Although I will say that I thought the opening was a little slop, sloppily directed. What do you mean when she the dummy? <laughs> like <laughs> another the dummy whole opening scene with the girls, like the, the backstory. Girl. Yeah, you know what? I was just like that was kind of a sh- shoddy way to open the movie. Well, it's it, it's the editing in that scene. It's yeah, atrocious. It yeah, it's totally edited, all fucked. It's just up the way that she they they cut from her falling off to, well, it's clearly a dummy. But well, they don't even show the dummy hitting the ground, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Because if they had done that, it would have been yeah, dummy death. 
<laughs> you know, but they, they they just ended it. They edited it so poorly. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Yeah, but anyway, ratings. All right, Jeremy, go first. A five point five, five and a half. Uh, I came in at a seven out of ten. I thought it was. I don't. It was like a. It was like a medium good slasher. I know. I I find that too, man. I don't think it's top shelf. I don't think it's bottom shelf. I think it's kind of right in the middle. I totally one hundred percent agree. I think the kills are a little bit better than they get they get the credit for. Not too too bad. Um, it probably could have used some you know, snow. It could have used some snow. It could use some. <laughs> it could have used some titties too. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is like I said again, being such an early entry, I guess they hadn't figured out that you know boobs and lots of blood is selling your shit. But you know, the reveal is cool enough. You know, and it's still, it's one of those films that kind of set up for a lot of fucking films after, which I, I really do appreciate. But I'm also at a 7 out of 10. I think it's a decent slasher film. So. Yeah. All right. All right. So that's uh, 1980s To All A Good Night. Yeah, coming in next here from 1984 is a UK film called Don't Open Till Christmas. <laughs> now, this movie right here, man, is directed by Edmund Partham, who actually stars in the film, too, as the inspector. Um, now, I don't know what point in the movie he decided not to continue directing it, but he dropped out as director. And they hired on another dude, which his name escapes me right now, and they fired him after a couple days of shooting. And then they had to get another guy to finish the fucking movie and then reshoot some of the footage that was shot before, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, this movie was fucking completely plagued with, you know, production issues, man. Like, right from the start. You can tell because the movie sucks. (laughs) I don't think it's... It's a fucking... It's a bad... I will give you that. It's a bad movie. But at the same time, it has a super high body count, you know. Yeah, because it's, it's the same thing over and over again. It's with that, that crayon stupid. blood. <laughs> but that's that's one. That, but that's you know, it's debatable with all slasher films. A lot of slasher films are the same. No, thing but over. this one is literally just like up oh, two seconds of narrative. Up oh, guy in a Santa suit murdering somebody else in a Santa suit. Cut. See, but, but, I would but, like but, that but, if all the kills were good. But once, but once you get the backstory, like I mean, of course, it's not it's just like, like cut and paste, cut and paste, cut and paste again and again and again for the entire fucking movie. I don't think I there's don't, anything wrong with that. I mean, when, once you get the once you get the killer's backstory of why he's doing, it, I mean, it's nothing great or anything. But then it's just understandable. Is like, you know, it's obviously got a fucking issue it's, with Santa it's Claus. It's watchable and everything like that. And so like badly made or anything it's just i mean let's face it when we're going into slasher films stupid. when we're going into slasher films we're not exactly you know looking know. for an elevated narrative i mean the re- i mean at least there's an explanation to why this person is doing what he's doing i mean it's not great i mean it's been done before we've all seen this before but at the same time some of the kills are actually laugh out loud <laughs> it's pretty funny but uh synopsis somebody with a very little christmas spirit is killing anyone in a santa suit one London holiday season and Scotland Yard has to stop him before he makes his exploits an annual tradition. So that's basically what we get, man. Beginning of the film, it's just like 
a whole pile of different people dressed up in Santa Claus outfits that are getting slaughtered in various ways. <laughs> well, the entire film is like that. Yeah, I mean, the body count is high in this, man. There's like, I think there's 17 kills in the film, with 15 of them or 16 of them being on screen, which is pretty impressive, you know, for a super low budget yeah, film like this. Considering six six minutes of one is literally six minutes of this guy running through this huge, whatever the fuck it is, the wax museum. It's literally like, is that what it is? Yeah, the wax museum. It's like scene. six minutes. It's funny. I was watching the making of of this today on the Mondo DVD, and and uh, you know the you know the girl that is in the film, the the strip, the blonde stripper girl. Which one? The one in the. She's the hottest one, and she doesn't show her tits again. I was pissed off. Which is actually <laughs> kind of funny because that's what they were talking about in the film. Because in every movie that she's ever been in before, this actually was her last movie that she ever did. But everything leading up to this point, she was like that hot girl that showed her tits in every movie, and then she doesn't. Show and her I have tits to go on Mister Skin then. <laughs> it's like what the fuck? I'm like that's bizarre. But anyways, they were showing footage. Of... Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Do you pay for Mister Skin? No. Okay. So anyways, you bring it up a lot, but. The... Uh, isn't Mr. Skin a pay thing? Yeah. Doesn't mean I pay for it. Okay. Just like I don't pay for a lot of things. <laughs> so they're showing footage. You know, of course, this is the behind the scenes in the making of Don't Open Till Christmas. And they're showing uh, that that scene where that Santa Claus, you know, fucking gets killed when he's talking to her on the phone between the glass and shit. I don't know what th- those little porno room things. I don't even know what the hell those things are. It's a peep booth. I guess, but it's not really a peep. I mean, you're like face to face. I don't know. But anyways... They're showing the footage of the previous actress that was playing that part. <laughs> it's kind of fucking funny. And they're interviewing her. And like, yeah, you know, I want to become a big actress, blah, blah, blah. And then they replace her because she sucked. And the, actually that scene where that one Santa Claus gets killed there, he was the third one. Like, they they replaced everybody in this film. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but I thought that was even notable. But kind of like that kill. Um I have to say, though, man, my favorite kill in this film is the Santa Claus at the... Uh, the turntable thing. <laughs> when he takes that fucking spear, like, through the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> that shit is fucking... Wait, was that... That was uh, her dad. That was the, her dad part, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the blonde-haired girl's yeah, dad. But like, I one... like the castration, personally. The castration was good. The With one... The, urinal. the one that yeah. made... Yeah, that was... That was and that actually... fucking shit, like, spurts out, too. It doesn't... It, it's... Hold. Listen... You can tell that this was British blood because it's it looks like crayons, like red crayons. <laughs> it, but sometimes it doesn't. It's they they have like a mix of good blood and bad blood in this movie. But um, I honestly like I think this movie would have been better had it been set in America. Why? I don't know why is... I feel that way. It's a little. It just feels like like American sleaze versus. Scotland well, Yards. Well, you have to rem- you have <laughs> really to remember you have to remember this movie was also heavily influenced by America. I mean, they made this movie because the popularity of you know the horror genre. I mean, the horror genre in the UK yeah, at the time it wasn't just that great. Feels like it doesn't fit to me. Like I'm used to like the Scotland Yard detective in like yeah yeah fucking Vincent Price movies. It was solely I mean? like, it was solely made because <laughs> they even talk about it in the, in the mini documentary or whatever. They they solely made this film because horror films were so popular in America and they that's where they were trying to sell the film. Really, it was yeah. you know they were trying to make an American type film. Yeah, I get it, man. Because most UK films were a lot different. I mean, we got Amicus and 
things like that. I mean, you know. Yeah, at, anytime I hear see films at the New exactly. Scotland Yard, Chief Inspector Ian Harris, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, wait, this is a sl- like a slasher? Like, what? <laughs> this doesn't feel right. And this movie actually feels older than it is. I was shocked when that's I saw. That's why. It I, that's why when I watched it first, I was so this movie. Officially got released in 1985. It, it has credited for 84, but it was filmed in like 81, 82. Okay, that's, that's probably why. why it, that's, that's why. why it and, and you have to remember when, you know, the 80s, also Brit- British people always feel like a couple of years <laughs> in the past as well. You got to remember, like the early 80s, a lot of early 80s films always feel like the 70s. Like the 80s didn't become the 80s until like 84. I feel like 1980, <laughs> 81, 82, 83 is debatable, but those early 80 years feel like the 70s still. You know, yeah. if you look back and watch those movies, the 80s isn't fully represented until about, well, I'll just say 84, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street type time. That's when it feels like super 80s to me. And this one's no different, for sure, for sure. Um, there's a there's a very awkward scene in this film involving like one of my favorite women ever, <laughs> Carolyn Monroe. Going outside. <laughs> this Carolyn Monroe fucking scene where she's on stage doing this <laughs> song and dance and shit. It's like so fucking yeah. weird to me that they put that in there. But you gotta remember, she was a really big star in the UK and also in America. You know, of course, she started Maniac just previous to that and stuff like that. And it's kind of funny they're doing an interview with her on you know, this making of and stuff. And like, yeah, so Carolyn, do you, uh, do you really like horror movies? And she's like, no, not really. I star in lots of them, but I don't really like horror movies. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is with people and saying that shit? You know, and I'm like, who is she? The fucking female Donald Pleasance or what? You know, it's just so weird to me that people can star in these movies and not care for the movies. And almost everybody that they were interviewing on the, on the set of this film, they're like, do you like horror movies? Like, no, they scared the shit out of me. I don't really watch them. Fucking yeah. paychecks, man. Just paychecks. But Yeah, that's know. like this podcast. Jeremy doesn't really like it. <laughs> he just does it for the paychecks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That did it for years before we got a paycheck, so fuck you. <laughs> and it's not even a paycheck. The paycheck when you do the math, it's like I did it the other day. It's like uh six cents per hour or something when you factor in the wat the watches. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did the math, and I was talking to some people in a group chat the other day, and and it was like six cents an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you pay? Because <laughs> once you you figure six dollars for uh, uh what we watched pick right, and yeah. then you split that three ways, <laughs> and then Patreon takes their cut. <laughs> 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 Ah, shit, man. You make a whole 69 cents after taxes. Yeah, yeah the, the, I have to say, though, man, like, I I watch this movie strictly for just the entertainment value, the kills and stuff, but, like, the whole the whole narrative in this movie is so damn clunky. Like, I mean, with our killer and just, you know, what he's doing and shit, and, I mean, I don't want to give everything away, but I will say that Giles has, like, the best fucking hair in the world, the investigative guy that plays the investigator yeah. or whatever he's got like the best fucking hair in the world that's like that i thought perfect little dude from the uh the blob did oh yeah well this is different though he doesn't have that plumage oh. mullet this is just like real kind of perfect white afro it's like a very jufro <laughs> it's amazing it's so awesome but yeah his his motives and stuff like you know when he's going to the detectives and shit it's just it's so clunky the one thing i can't stand about this film is the whole you know, kind of taking that peep show girl hostage and things and that whole, mm. that whole part of the narrative. I just, 
it feels so fucking clunky to me and it feels kind of <laughs> offbeat to the point where it's like why like it does it's not needed whatsoever it doesn't fit for the it's, narrative especially when they give the reveal of what he's doing you know he's just you know mm-hmm. the killer's reveal i'm like what like why the how does this fit into it it's so fucking it's actually retarded it's, you, you want to know you want to know one of my favorite parts of the movie mm. seeing the santa get killed by the grill that was roasting chestnuts on an open fire yeah, dude, that was actually that's actually my favorite one. I have that written down. I think it's so what fucking the hell? funny. I've never seen anybody roast chestnuts. I thought that was just a song. No, 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 that's a real literally thing, literally roasting chestnuts on an open fire. That's a real thing, dude. That's a real thing. But it's, I would hope it's a real thing. They had to come up with the idea somewhere, JP. I know, but I didn't think people actually still did it. That seems like something that they do in like the. <laughs> you got to admit though, man, when the when the killer puts his he slams his head down on there and he burns his face and shit, he fucking throws him back onto the grill and then he just fucking ignites up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it's so obviously a dummy on there. <laughs> that shit is funny. They actually show the the makeup. It took all day to do his makeup. Like, literally all fucking day. And they were joking about it because I guess they did the makeup. I don't know. They used some type of adhesive or whatever on there. And it took the guy three days to get it off. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of joking with uh, with the producer. And they're like, yeah, so did you pay the guy for three days of work? You know, considering you saw the makeup on? It was really funny, actually. But No, we didn't even pay him for one day. I think that's what he was leaning at. He was like, I don't even think I paid the guy. <laughs> 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 fucking hilarious man alright ratings my turn um, I I honestly like I didn't love this movie I thought it was entertaining this would be a great party watch but um, I didn't think it was very good uh, but I didn't think it was very bad either so I, I came in at 6.5 out of 10 uh, is it me yep yeah, um, yeah. Produced by the legendary Dick Randall, he's done. You just look at his credits; he's you'll recognize some shit. Most notably, he produced Pieces, also from 1982, which we talked about recently on the show a couple times. Uh, which is a much better offering to myself than this movie, but I still really enjoy this movie because it's so stupid. I mean, <laughs> it's just Santa Claus is getting murdered over and over again. It's pretty awesome. Um, in various awesome ways. I got I got to give him credit, though, for such a low-budget film having that much... They put a lot of effort into the kills. They really did. They, that was the main focus, really, of the documentary was, you know, what you need in a horror film is good special effects. Yeah, the blood was off-color. I totally agree, but that always happens in these type of movies. But at least they tried to get creative with the kills. I'll give him credit for that. Um, but uh, I'm also in a 6.5 out of 10 on this one, too. Both of the posters to these last two movies were like cooler than the movies. I think. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that the case back in the day. <laughs> why was uh? Why did Mondo not release this on Blu-ray? No idea. No idea. I mean, they weren't doing Blu-rays when this movie was released on DVD. Oh, it says okay. 2011. Oh, maybe. Yeah. No, they hadn't even started doing Blu-rays back then. They just recently <laughs> did. But don't know. And that's something they haven't done either. They haven't really released any movies on blu-ray that they've released on dvd before so maybe they don't have plans maybe they don't have the rights to them anymore don't know jeremy five out of ten five out of ten five out of ten okay 
Well, it's actually higher than I thought you were going to come in, <laughs> to be <laughs> to be honest. But still watch it and stuff. Yeah, it's you know it's it's stupid, bad slasher bullshit, but it's fun. What you didn't know? Christmas went hip hop. Check the clock and let the jingle bells rock. All right, so moving way into the future, 2010 with Dick Moss's Saint or Sint or Saint Nicholas or how many, like I said before, it has a million different titles. I wish you a merry Dick Moss. I wish you a merry Dick Moss. Dick Moss, that's awesome. Yeah, of course, (laughs) Dick Moss is uh, probably most notable for directing Amsterdam. I think that's probably his most famous film. He loves Amsterdam. Fuck that, The Lift. Yeah, or, the lift. or the lift. I yeah, maybe. Maybe it's the lift. I don't know. Amsterdam, it's I think. I think the I think Amsterdam is a way better film. Yeah. Um but he's I think he's the lift a, is cooler. He's a fucking Dutch legend. You know, he's honestly one of like the major, major, you know, directors over there, like horror genre film directors that's notable anyways, which is kinda cool. Dick Moss also, you know, he even He remade. suffers from one thing with some of his films. They're just a little like long. Yeah, he definitely has pacing issues in his movies. This one, on the other hand, is actually probably one of his shorter offerings. Yeah. That it's I like feel eighty minutes. That I feel that minutes. this one doesn't really drag that much, but um yeah, I mean this one right here since It just has shit CG. Or it 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 has lo- it has a lot of practical effects though. It has mixed yeah. CG in there. It does, but I mean, for the, what they the were one, doing, the, the CG that you see is crap. But then again, you know those CG parts with you know the the evil bishop riding the horse and stuff. I mean, how else are you going to do that? You know, low budget. Uh, yeah, I thought that shit looked great. Fuck you. But anyways, um, if you know the history of Santa Claus and shit, Santa Claus is you know, which it, I don't. The original story. I mean. The Americanized Santa Claus comes from this story. It's actually a Dutch... uh, It's from Dutch Dutch mythology, basically. St. Nicholas was um, a person that... It's kind of funny, because listening to the the Dutch speaking, when they say St. Nicholas, it sounds like Santa Claus. So that's probably where that came from. It does, it does. St. Nicholas is the original origin story. And America adopted it. So once, so once the you know the original um, immigrants came over from the Netherlands to America, it just it turned into Santa Claus. Saint Nicholas turned into Santa Claus. Yeah, and then they say it like Saint Nicholas. Yeah, and so it sounds kind of like Santa Claus. So the original story of Saint Nicholas was he was like a good person. He was a good person. He what the the legend says you know he would go around on rooftops riding a horse. And he would have his people, you know, the guys that work from whatever, they would drop presents down chimneys and, you know, just kind of give back to everybody. America adopted that story, turned into Santa Claus, elves, blah, blah, blah. Um, so this is Dick Ma's version of St. Nicholas. He just kind of flipped the script on St. Nicholas and made him a bad bishop. And a bad motherfucker. Instead of, and, you know, this is kind of like, almost like the original Krampus story. I mean, Krampus is a German legend, you know, of St. Nicholas's brother that was, you know, he's the one that punishes. So this is kind of different, but this is Dick Moss's version of St. Nicholas that he wasn't good. He was a punisher, and that's what he did. Yeah. What so, were they doing at the beginning of the movie? Burn, what do you mean? Burning him? Well, they were burning no, no, him. no, no. Before that, what was he doing? Pillaging? Giving the presents? What do, you, what do you mean? What was St. Nicholas doing? Yeah. In the beginning of the film, I think he was... 
Like the big scene in the fucking town. What was he doing? Getting burnt. What was he doing? He was getting executed by the townsfolk. No, before that. Like they got all pissed off over something. Because he was was trying to figure out what they were mad about. Because he was killing people. (laughs) Oh, so that's what he was just killing people? Yeah. He killed that whole whole family. Yeah, that's literally what he was. I didn't know why. Like what? Like. The cool so thing he's about just a murder bastard. Then. That's what, exactly. I it was like blood of the firstborn or something. So this is what. Was, so huh? this is what happens See, here. Yeah. So he would, just escaped. He was literally just. Dick Moss portrays Saint Nicholas as a total pure evil person. He was just there to kill. So okay. the backstory is with this. He ends up getting executed by the. the he gets captured and executed by the yeah, town folk. They burn that. him on December fifth, and so he comes back every forty-two years on the full moon. So every forty-two years, there's a full moon on December fifth. And is it forty-two? Act- I thought it was twenty-four. It's forty-two. Okay. So they have the origin story that sets, takes place in fourteen ninety-two, and then they have like a restory in nineteen sixty-eight where they kind of show something. And then yeah. the present day jumps to 2010. So that's what brings him back is the full moon on December 5th. And December 5th and 6th, I think, in the legend is where, you know, St. Nicholas is supposed to do his things. But And the one guy seen him when he was a kid, right? Correct. That's yes. the, the uh, detective. Dude. The detective. And that's why they show the 1968 scene. He's the one that survived in the barn when his whole family got murdered. Of course, nobody believes him. And as the date comes in the in the present day. You know, he's out to fucking stop him because he's seen what's happened before. He's yep. the only one that believes the the, the myth. So, yeah, man. Yeah, um, and then we have, like, this teenager <laughs> in the middle of this uh, who's, you know, in school. And, man, they, their school looks fun. We should – I want to move – I want to move. Yeah, they get dildos there. and – and then, like, Isn't even when they're weird? walking down the street, they have the <laughs> prostitutes in the window. I'm like, if I wasn't district, so afraid yeah. of hostel, I'd be like, there. Yeah, because you know this mean? is actually taking place in Amsterdam. Amsterdam, yeah. 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 It's kind of cool. And that's one thing about Dick Moss's films that you notice that, like, he really utilizes his country and the scenery and shit. Like, again, like, Amsterdam, he films in the in the canals and shit i love that yeah i love yeah that. no i love the <coughs> setting of this movie i yeah. thought it was fucking perfect and they did get some snow which made it feel even yeah. better you know what i mean like it, it actually felt like a christmas horror movie um this was by far my favorite of the three yeah agreed but it's yeah. still not like an amazing movie or anything i thought it was pretty damn good honestly yeah yeah i, I think it's <laughs> i think the mythology is dope as fuck I, I just, I, yeah, I love the backstory for St. Nicholas and stuff. I just, the the ending always cracks me up. He's like, so, like, what are we going to do about catching And he's like, I'm going to blow him up. It's <laughs> 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 like, and then he lifts up this blank and he's got all these explosives. He's like, we're going to lure, because they're all going to be back on the boat, you know, at 12 o'clock and we're going to fucking blow him to shit. And I'm just like. Really? You're just going to blow up St. Nicholas? <laughs> it reminded me of the fog a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, it's good, though. But I, I like no, this one, I, man. I really like the, the the setup. I like the setting. Um, I actually think fucking St. 
Nicholas over here is fucking pretty creepy. Wow, dude. you barely fucking see him, dude. You barely you see, see him in a close up. You no, you only him see him in a long shot on his horse. You never and see you him. You see him at least up. like five separate times. Like, you do see him up close, the scene where the car gets all fucked up. And that's actually a really yeah, funny scene I didn't after say the you inspector never comes see him up. up close. I He's said like, you barely see him up close, is what I said. Okay, you that's You mainly fine. see him in long shots on that fucking horse. Yeah. Yeah, that's creepy. So how can you say he's creepy? When you but, don't even fucking know what Because he's got he looks on like. a fucking horse riding on the fucking roof and he's going to kill you. What so do you mean? Fucking Michael Myers' mom in Halloween 2 is on a fucking horse. She ain't scary. Yeah, but dude. She's not supposed to be see either. Him. Yeah, she's not supposed to be. And you actually do see him more than I think you're giving credit for. You do get to see him quite a bit. Is that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I didn't think. I wasn't like looking like, man, I want to see. Where, why did he not show him? Like, I felt like I saw him enough. Yeah. I feel like it too. Yeah, I'm, he's fucking creepy, dude. Like, I like his getup, his outfit. I like that he has a horse and he rides it on the roof. What the hell do you call his weapon, man? He fucking wraps that shit around some dude's neck and then just like tugs and then it fucking it's, a, decap- it's like a staff, but it, it has a bladed hook on it. Yeah, that that that's fucking gnarly, man. Totally yeah. awesome. I thought there's some pretty good kills. Yeah, there's CG in the film, which you know. I honestly didn't even mind it. Honestly, like I mean, it didn't even bug me. Like I said, you're going to get the CG when, you know, he's riding the horse on the roost and shit. I mean, it's a low budget film. How else are you going to do that kind of thing? At least they put the effort into having practical effects. I mean, there's some, a lot of limbs get fucking hacked off and, you know, decapitations and shit like that. There's some, there's some pretty good scenes. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot gorier. I remember watching this film years ago and being like, damn dude, it's a lot gorier. And I was expecting it to be for some odd reason, but yeah. I don't know. I just don't think it did it. As much for me as it did you guys. Well, so I what, think what are your main complaints got, with it, though? Yeah, good. I don't know. I just didn't find it enjoyable. Like <laughs> I said, I don't think you see the killer that often, and I think it just looks cheap. Well, it's not a slasher, so I, it doesn't look cheap, was... man. I honestly hundred percent disagree with that. I think the aesthetic to this film is fantastic. I love. The I actually blue think he- the movie feels bigger than No, it has it has okay. any right to be. Honestly. This movie this movie manages to do something that's very odd to me. Now, I'm assuming that Dick Moss did this purposely. I don't know why he would do this, but ever since I've seen this movie and every time I watch it, I always notice that blue warm hue look to the film. It's kind of weird how Dick Moss but he makes has that oh, in no, Amsterdam. No, no. I too. totally. But it's funny. I totally know it's interesting how he manages to make the film feel warm with that blue hue when it's in a fucking cold setting. It's so yeah. cool to me that he did this. I don't know where he's coming from. He did it purposely and there's meaning behind it probably unless I'm just thinking too much into it like I always am, but I think that is really damn cool. I think the look of this film is fantastic. I love the way he filmed this. It's very dreamy and just kind of, it has this kind of mystery to it and shit. I don't know. I love it. I, li- I honestly like the end too. Like the, like the stuff with the mayor and stuff like that. And like the, the sort of downbeat, like concept mm-hmm. behind this thing. That's oh, going to just yeah. come back. Again. And, and this movie also it's has a cover a, up. It has a jump scare in it. That fucking gets me every time too. Fucking got me too, bro. Right at the end in the hospital, dude. I was like, holy. I was like, holy shit. I <laughs> wrote it down on my phone because I started laughing. So I'm like, that fucking thing is TCM two. Gets me every time, every fucking time, and I know it's coming. I never seen it, and it got it got me <laughs> real good. Man. That's like the non trailer. I saw that shit like ten times. Yeah. Fucking non trailer. <laughs> but that's a good one though, right? That's a, that's how you do the jump scares. 
Yeah, that good was shit. that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I I really like this movie, dude. I thought it was super dope. I thought I, I love the mythology. I like really love the mythology. I was like, I want to see a Saint Two, man, Saint Two or whatever. Because mm-hmm. like, I really like the. I just like the concept behind it. It's fucking freaky, man. When you think about like Christmas and you think about, you know, Santa. Like, this is a fucking twisted version of Santa. I give them credit. They killed the kids. You know, it's they interesting. They killed a lot of them. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. I talked to, because, like, my wife is Dutch, right? And her whole family and stuff. And, you know, just hearing their, because they know all about this mythology and all this shit. It's not really related to Christmas. It just kind of became that in the Western world. Like, St. Nicholas was, I mean, it is, but it isn't. You know, it's it's like this mythology. It's not as Christmas born as, like, we have over here. You know, it's just kind of like this mythology that happens before, you know, Chris. It's it's just different. It's just different to them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to explain. But, yeah. I mean, the way I perceive it, it's it's very Christmas mythology. You know, I, I don't see how dropping presents down <laughs> fucking uh, chimneys and shit isn't. But, eh, I don't know. I should show my wife this one one time, see what she thinks. Because they're all into that Dutch shit. Yeah. They even have wood like shoes it. and shit. Oh, thanks. I'm Ready? Like, I think it's like Cartman's mom. It is Cartman's mom. You got to do it. <laughs> Shiza. Loads <laughs> rating. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, man. This is honestly right up there with one of my favorite Dick Moss films. I think I, I've always liked this one, man. Um, really cool stuff. I love the backstory. And it is genuinely fucking creepy. It's violent as as hell. I like the whole fucking uh, the Black Peter thing. <laughs> Dudes are dressed up as Black Peter and just get fucking slaughtered by the Black Peters. <laughs> fucking awesome, man. Yeah. That dude get, get when he gets pulled out the car there, and Buddy's like, I can't remember what his name is. He's like, he's like Johnny. Fucking <laughs> like, pulls him right out of the car. Ah, I love that shit, man. It was great. Um. But yeah, overall, man, really, really thick atmosphere. I think he shot this film awesome. It's got actually really good pacing. Probably the best paced film that he's ever done. Uh, good shit, man. Nine out of ten. Whoa, nine, nine out, out of ten. ten. Jesus, I've reviewed this film a few times actually. That's I just crazy. don't understand why it's that worth that high of a rating. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood for it or anything. Uh, I give it a six and a half. All right, uh, me personally, I truly dug this flick, and 2010 in particular is a great year for horror. It's actually, in my opinion, up in the like top two or three of the decade. Uh, 2010 is fucking stacked, and, and this is another really solid fl- film from 2010. CGI aside, it didn't bug me that much. I thought the mythology was great, and... I just like the setting. It, I was just really into it. I thought it was creepy and cool. Uh, I'm coming in at 8 out of 10. Yeah, good shit. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, I was really excited to rewatch this one, man, because I haven't watched it in a couple years. And I was like, yeah, got to do it. Yeah, that was a Sam pick. Yeah, that's a good one, man. Good one. Yeah, I, 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 I totally dug it. And... I, I can't wait till 2010 pops up one year for the top 10 because that's one of my favorite years, man. Yeah, I, I'd have to go back and look to see. I The later, two, like the 2000s, 
Got I always get all the Greek crazy. movies fucked up. You don't have to list them all. <coughs> Why can I say some of them? Fuck you, man. Well, because we always do that in the when we actually the year actually comes up. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to conclude episode 151 Christmas special eighth. Fuck. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Read it on the thumbnail. <laughs> Dude, it's it's really easy. Listen, it is episode 151. Viewers, listeners, volume eight, sixth the, annual Christmas special. No, listeners choice volume eight. Christmas 2018 edition. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I can never get them right, man. I just, I never put any merit into remembering exactly what it, I don't know. But yeah, that was good shit, man. Um, well, ne- next week is a big one, homie. Merry Christmas. It's a big one. Yeah. You know, I say Merry Christmas to everybody. I think this one, I think we are dropping this one on Wednesday. Yeah. If you're listening today, it should be Christmas Day. So Christmas is Tuesday, you dumbass. Is it really? Yeah, tomorrow's Christmas. Yeah, we're going to have to drop it to a day early if you can. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. It is, too. I was thinking today was the 22nd. Oh, yeah, I'm all fucked up. I'm I didn't Jewish, push. and I even know that. Jesus. Yeah, it's Sunday. I don't know, man. It's been... I, I'm all fucked up since the it's marathon. It's Christmas Eve, Eve for, dude. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, tomorrow's the twenty. Fuck. Dude. I even said I have to work tomorrow. We were had a whole fucking discussion about it. Ah, it's just been a long weekend already. But all right. Well, it's time to get out of here. Sure. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode one hundred and fifty-one of the twenty-two shots of Moods and Horde podcast. As those who want to follow the man Moods himself, you could do so at youtube.com slash mood 616 and if you want to follow jp over on his channel let him know that he never lets me talk when i want to try and list off films youtube.com slash double shot j so as you can follow me on my channel youtube.com slash nes ruler 22 so as please leave us any questions you have at the voicemail 724-426-6665 leave us any questions at the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com it's 22 shots of moods a and d at 20 shots get that fucking craft pickle out your mouth boy (laughs) follow us on twitter twitter twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast please join us on the facebook page facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horror podcast and please support the patreon to get the sand sucked out of my vagina especially moods is dead (laughs) patreon.com slash 22 shots podcast and that should do it everybody for episode 151 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. We'll be back next week with episode 152 with some chick, I think, episode year end show. Was that last sentence there? Episode, episode year end show. Oh, boy. Yeah, next week should be fun. I still have, like, a handful of films to watch. I'm never going to get to everything. But all yeah. going as planned, it should be out on the 30th. Mm-hmm. If all goes as planned. Yep. All right. Peace out, bitches. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that kind of hurt my butt. A little bit dry. <laughs>